0: Anyway, so yeah, that would be a great uh, issue.
1: this is another episode i think it's the sixth episode of music and we i am jamila
0: and i'm jester what's up everybody
1: yay and we are so happy to be here again i'm excited to be doing this with you again jesse oh yeah
0: it's 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 been a long time it's been a lot of transition so but we here now so
1: yes as as it's been a long time i shouldn't have left you Had a dope rhyme to step to, and Michael and Prince had a lot of dope rhymes, dope beats, dope music. So, dope beats,
0: yeah, dope music.
1: (laughs) Thank you, Rock Kim, for that inspiration. Uh, (laughs) But this episode, we like to dedicate an episode to someone who has inspired us either in our personal lives, artistically, etc. People who have transitioned, and one of the things we say, and we haven't said it so far. But Ashe is something we tend to end with, and that is translated to, it is so, in many cultures. Maurice White is someone we definitely want to dedicate this show to. I had an incident this morning that really got me down, and right after that, I listened to Earth, Wind, and Fire, and I began to cry, not only tears of joy, but tears connecting me with the ancestors, a spiritual connection, and just knowing The way society is right now is so spiritually dead, so spiritually drained. And I went into the kitchen to chop some bananas. There was someone who lives in the same house as me. I'm thinking he was being petty, and he was purposely putting on the locks. I don't know if any of y'all have heard the locks. If you listen to any kind of 90s hip-hop, you are familiar with the locks. But there were songs he put on. That one of the lyrics, I think this is the locks, they're saying, uh, are you a man or are you a real man? Are you going to switch like a like a bitch? And I was like, mm. OK, that just really ruined like my banana chopping sessions. It's just like, <laughs> why yeah. would you even want to listen to music like that? And then there was there were one or two other songs which talked about just really anti gay sentiments. And just sort of this, this is I'm going to make you do this and all all that stuff that a lot of these toxic males say in rap songs. And I started thinking about people say, well, if you say stuff like that, that's really suspect. You must be gay. And I don't think it has anything to do with sexual orientation. I think it has a lot to do with rape culture, because when you're saying this is what I want you to do to me and you're going to like it, that's forcing someone to do something they most likely do not want to do and you are in a position of power you are saying this is what you're going to do to me that has nothing to do with sexual pleasure that has nothing to do with again sexual orientation and then also to say are you going to be a man are you going to switch you have now equated femininity with weakness you have now stated that women are inherently weak so if a man shows any signs of weakness you are automatically equated to a woman and then you equate a woman to a bitch so are you going to be a real man which in my view equates toxic masculinity in that world or are you going to switch like a bitch which means like oh if if I'm going to equate weakness with homosexuality and there's gay dudes I know that will wipe the floor with half these dudes so that sexual orientation has nothing to do with how weak or how strong you are. And it's just, uh, just utilizing all these stereotypes in music. And so it was listening to earth, wind and fire after that. And it just put so much joy in my heart. And I think Maurice white definitely, uh, uh, he was symbolized as a strong man to a lot of men and to a lot of people. I think they symbolize uh, a strong, Masculinity that had a sort of strength in spirituality. You know, I don't know anything about a lot of their political views. You know, they did have women in the uh, initial aspects of their band and then women were let go. So it was even more masculine energy, Mm -hmm. but they did allow for that balance. And I think Prince was inspired by that in many ways. And so, of course, in the 80s, people were saying, oh, uh, Prince, oh, he's so feminine. He's gay. Michael's gay because he had the high-pitched voice. And so you're listening to a lot of the music that comes out today. And people are talking about being suicidal, taking pills. It's just spiritually dead. And you listen to Earth, Wind & Fire. You listen to Frankie Beverly and Maze. You listen to all of this positive music that came out in the 70s. You listen to Sly and the Family Stone. Just all of these groups that talked about things that were positive politically, spiritually, and otherwise. And I'm thinking, what's going on? Why are people not utilizing that same mindset? Because we faced the same forms of oppression. People were Mm -hmm. still abused by police. The government still didn't care about us as African people, as poor people, as people who were marginalized in society. People who were gay and trans were arrested and beaten. We all still face the same conditions, but at the same time, the music that came out countered those conditions, countered those sentiments. And today people have fallen in line with those sentiments in their music, in their literature, in their art. And so I'm just wondering at this point, when did people allow the system to decide how they shape their views? Because that's exactly what's happening It it used to be a point artistically where we didn't let the system shape how we created our art. And now we see this happening more and more and corporations are deciding how we shape our art and influencing what we listen to. And you saw this shift definitely in the 90s. And so I'm just thinking, going back, what happened? And so I had to go back to listen to Earth, Wind & Fire. I had to go back and listen to Frankie Beverly and Maze just to go, okay. and now you have artists today like August Green, people like that who are creating positive music. So so people are like, oh, there's no music today. There's That's always great.
0: somebody. You yeah, know there's always to somebody.
1: And they tend to be out of the mainstream. But people yeah. like August Green who are working with Robert Glasper, who are who are working with Kareem Riggins. So this does happen. They actually, I've been pointing people to... Um, Esperanza, his
2: Spalding.
1: Esperanza Spalding Esperanza Spalding so i've been pointing people to Iris Greens rendition of Optimistic which is a cover of the Sounds of Blackness song of Blackness, so even yeah. then you had you had groups like Sounds of Blackness and they had mm. red black and green all over and people were promoting that and then these corporations were like that's too much people are having Uh, too much pride. People are talking about organizing and now everybody's like, Oh, that's not going to work. People are letting these systems decide how they make their, uh, how they view music, how they view art and how they view uh, their political ideologies. I know that was a long introduction, but I really felt a need to say that because Morris, Maurice white was so inspiring to so many people and even after his transition, it has been inspiring to many people to this day, and so many people are being introduced to positive music like Earth, Wind, and Fire. So thank you, Maurice White, so much yes. for inspiring so many people cross-culturally, cross-spiritually, etc. Thank you, Maurice White. Ashe.
0: Ashe, Maurice White. I just want to say I reckon with all of those sentiments, Maurice White is a big piece of what inspires me and just his overall voice, the whole band, earth, wind and fire as a whole, but I mean, Maurice white, and just the energy that you get from listening to their music. There's not one bad song because all of it finds its meaning, you know, whenever you're going through any of those emotions. So yes, I say,
1: and I think there's just two things and we'll get to our actual show, but Two pieces of lyrics, keep your head to the sky when Philip Bailey sings, step step right up and be a man because you need faith to understand. And with so much of the toxic masculinity that's going around, in my view, these are not men. These are either immature boys or toxic males. And you, ha- it's this idea that you have to be toxic in order to be a man. No, men are mature. Men face their responsibilities. And they utilize spirituality, utilize organization, they utilize all these mature tools to get to where they need to go. Immature men are fueled by toxicity, and they abuse other people, and they think being powerful is the way to go. Like Maurice White was quiet. He he planned in quiet. He was the quote leader of Earth Wind and Fire, but he was there. And a lot of people didn't even know for a while that he sang. And he didn't even want to sing. He just wanted to to (laughs) be the orchestrator of this group. And he used his spiritual beliefs to fuel how he made his music. And the other quote, maybe this song will help uplift your day, make a better way. And that's from Devotion. Also sung by Philip Bailey, but Maurice White co-wrote many of the songs And you had I'll write a song for you. There are many songs that Earth, Winter, Fire did that uplifted people. And now we don't have lyrics like that anymore. Maybe this song will help uplift your day. Now let's take all these drugs. Let's deaden our senses. And we need to get back to a point where we're creating uplifting music. And I really do think that's where we're heading and in terms of
0: there's always going to be uplifting music but again it's so hard to find sometimes and i think what happens is people forget that music is everlasting there's never Mm -hmm. a bad time to discover it and so i'm so glad that we have services that allow people to listen to earth wind fire and all these other musicians Mm -hmm. that have actually you know dedicated their lives to just making this kind of music and again while the music exists now it's just you kind of have to know where the turn the channel to because it's so Mm -hmm. much I feel like there's just so much music now and the problem is people are having a hard time juggling you know new stuff they just prefer the stuff that they grew up on or they're not even willing to challenge themselves so it it comes with just maturity and appreciation of music but if you're just consuming it and I've I've met a lot of people who are just like oh I only listen to music when I'm at work because it's on the radio there are some people who are just not like music they're just music consumers they're not really interested in the uh, art form. Um, So they don't support it. So then you get the machinery and (laughs) you get a clone of the artist that happened last week and you think (laughs) it's new, but it's not anything different. But you're, you know, just (laughs) you're deceived through the machinery, which a lot of people, that's why when you think of artists and I'm gonna throw throw some shade, you know, when when you think of someone like Ed Sharon as actually, being, you know, oh, oh, it's like, cut out with that, man. You're not even <laughs> listening to, like, real music. Like, you can't say people like it, Sharon and Adele and, you know, some of these people that might have a talent, but they're not really doing it. Like, you can just tell there's a machinery that just runs mm-hmm. the whole setup. There's no soul. There's no, right. you know, acknowledgement of the people that came before them. You just You're not even acknowledging the people, like, you know. I can go on and on about people like Sam Smith. Um, I, don't you know, like I don't like
1: Michael well, Jackson.
0: <laughs> then you're not an artist, you see. You, you basically can't even acknowledge that you wouldn't even be here if it wasn't for Michael Jackson.
1: Like, right. just be
0: real.
2: I think you
1: know about soul, <laughs> soul is the word you brought up. I think that is a wonderful way of describing the artists who are the most loved. Yeah. You cannot get soul from reading notation. You can't get soul from even copying someone who had it. It's innate. I really think that's one of the things that's really innate. A lot of people say soul is cultural, but there's people in particular cultures who don't have it. There's people within the culture, cultures, they say that have soul and some people don't have it. So I think, soul it's not just being able to do runs it's not Mm -hmm. just being able to dance a lot of what encompasses soul is also spiritual yeah so it's a connection that you have and so i really do think it is innate because you have to be one with the spirit you have to be one with those you stand on the shoulders on. Uh, and it's not—it's definitely not something that can be learned. <laughs>
0: no, 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 no. You can't. Yeah. It's all because of something that you didn't learn in school.
1: Right. <laughs> you know. And you look at B.B. King at Sing Sing Prison. You had the Voices of East Harlem. You had different performers. But B.B. King said that his performance at Sing Sing Prison was perhaps the best performance he ever gave. And there was a connection with people there. Mm -hmm. People who are on lockdown for whatever reason. And again, going back to what I said earlier, we've been oppressed by the system for so long. And you have people like B.B. King coming in with that understanding, given his own history, making connection with people who are oppressed in some way, who are on lockdown, who have now been a part in the system. And he connects that. I know y'all got the blues. And everybody's like, that's right. Mm -hmm. So making that connection, he's not simply performing. He's telling a story. Yeah. And connecting in this way. It's my experience with what you're dealing with right now. And then he even talks about, yeah, when we came in, we even had to check in. So Mm -hmm. he understands. He's
0: understanding it on a deeper level than just. Let me get this check. You know, you're sharing a story. Right. You're exchanging. You know, it's a conversation. It's not just this isolated experience, um, which it exactly. seems to be a lot of people doing now. And they're just having these like, look at me. I'm the one with the with the Gucci and you ain't got shit. You know, it's like, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> OK, like, but you're kind of what are you trying to say? You know, there's a reason why a lot of people and why should they even want that? What's the chase, the chase for just being? decked out all the time just having more consuming more and never being satisfied with what you have just recklessly expending like what the hell is that for why be Mm -hmm. like that you know what is that helping (laughs) in light of especially how many people who don't have anything who can't have the basics what you know so the pressure is on just i feel whenever i discover a new musician and i resonate with their music I like to see what their story is and just kind of investigate a bit. Cause mm-hmm. if I see that there's a connection and I respect that, but if I see a lot of smoke and mirrors and media influence, it's like, Oh, well, this isn't probably, this is just going to be a hit and miss.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. I well, guess. I think that's the thing people connected with so much with Michael is he had this innate aspect of soul at, mm-hmm. Five years old, people connected with him. When he was on the Ed Sullivan show, people said, who is this kid? Right. Who is this singing like that? And you see other little kids who their voices, you know, (laughs) they have good voices.
0: Because I can be on here all day. (laughs) I saw an episode on X Factor not long ago. And it was this little guy. And people, oh, you got to hear him. It's like, okay, let me see what you got. (laughs) And I heard, it's like, come on, man. You could tell he practiced this in front of the mirror and just, you know, I'm not saying that that doesn't happen with, and that it didn't happen with Michael, but Michael had this natural kind of soul. And what I saw on this show, X Factor, it was like, this is totally rehearsed. It's not really, yeah, he's having fun, but Mm. you know, (laughs) this ain't moving me. You know, Michael was the type of, he had the voice that could move you and you can hear you heard that that resonance, and again, that's you're right. That's why a lot of people connected with them because it was soul, it was spiritual. It wasn't, it didn't feel created or um, just kind of orchestrated. Because the industry started to learn the formula, they was like, okay, let's just give boy bands. That's what these people want. That sales, All right, boy bands, and they had boy bands everywhere. I mean, remember <laughs> the 2000s? All the different people: Backstreet Boys, NSYNC, B2K. You know, hmm. all of these people there to imitate, basically, um, the Jackson five, because they were the original
1: <laughs>
0: kind of like in a boy way.
1: Band, yeah.
0: And they were so profitable. So they're just
2: like, hmm,
0: how can we turn this into a profitable, expendable scheme? And so now there are so many boy bands, you don't even remember all of them because a lot of them died out. Cause <laughs> no one cares. <laughs> but when you have a real good boy band with a good, with a star, you know, cause something made Michael stand out um, beyond obviously no disrespect to his siblings because they're all talented and they're all way Some of them. Uh, <laughs> no
1: comment. No comment.
0: I'm being a fool right now. <laughs> but
1: um, I would no, say that man. Randy, in terms of musicianship variety, he had the most talent. Michael actually was pretty open about that. I think, He ruined that by perpetuating the behaviors of his father by being being abusive, et cetera. He had some music out when I think it was quite good in the 90s. I think if he continued to utilize his skills in that way, he could have gotten very far if that's what he wanted to do. But he ended up perpetuating abusive behavior, and karmically, I think that, you know, karma caught up with him faster than
0: it's yeah, caught faster. up with many others. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's a wonderful way of saying that.
1: Speaking of boy bands, I'm wondering what you think of Jordan Knight's cover of I Can Never Take the Place of Your Man. Speaking of boy bands. <laughs> Jordan Knight. I can't say I've heard it. Oh, really?
0: No, I don't.
1: That's your assignment. You have to go listen. It's actually not okay. bad. It's not bad. And I know...
0: Is online. it fairly new?
1: No, no, no. Oh, okay. It's pretty old. Yeah, and live performances, he plays the piano on it. Um, and he might on the recorded version, too.
0: Jordan. I'll do my homework to check that yeah. out.
1: Um, it's slower than the original.
0: <laughs> okay. No, that, I don't mind that. I mean... I appreciate when, you know, artists can kind of give their own interpretation of another song that they're inspired by, you know, just on the side note with Prince, a lot of people thought, and then he, in general, he made it clear that he wasn't really down for that, but yeah. if it was good, he pardoned it, and it wasn't, you know, he didn't
2: right.
0: go out of his way to be like, for what's the guy from room 5, he was like, hey, you can't do this version of Ooh. Kiss. Um, the guy from Maroon 5, what's his name? I don't know. Um, Yeah, well, uh, he's a very popular artist, and, um, he gets my nerves uh, a lot, because his music isn't...
1: I don't really know their music. I I think I've heard, like, one or two songs. I see I don't his know. face. <laughs> Is that I... the guy? Wait, that's the guy that sang that song with, um, Carlos Santana? The real, the, don't forget about it. That's him?
0: No, I, I wouldn't know but I
1: love Carlos Santana.
0: <laughs> but I know, I can't think of his name, but um, I want to say Adam. No, that's not his name. Adam Devine. Maybe it is. I don't know. Anyway, uh, I will, the we'll, point we'll is, we'll figure it out. You can call that out, actually. <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we yeah. going off about Adam. Yeah,
2: we're going to be like,
0: Adam Levine, that was his name too. Fucking asshole. Okay. Oh, is
1: that his name? Okay. Okay.
0: Mm-hmm. Prince didn't mind if artists, you know, covered him from a place of respect, but generally it's not something he seemed to approve of because he knew about the, and he talked about it in in an interview with George Opas, the licensing law where labels have the ability to have anyone else cover your music and you don't even get a profit from it. It's like a new song and that doesn't happen with anyone else. And so he really had a problem with it from a legal standpoint. Because I remember Adam Levine did a version of Kiss, which was horrible. And Prince was like, "You gotta take this off. This can't be on your album. You didn't even ask me." And then it's the same with Alicia Keys. You uh, know, Alicia Keys actually had to ask him. She called him, and he just so happened to yeah. like her version of How Come You Don't right. Call Me Anymore. So he was like, "All right, yeah, you, it's fine, you know."
1: Nope. But uh, Stephanie Mills' version is two billion times better. I don't care yes, what anybody says. Yes,
0: it is. Yes, it is. I don't is. care what anybody says. She never gets the credit, but yes, Stephanie Mills, she did a wonderful version of that. But anyway, back to this mm. topic at hand. Um, <laughs> but, oh, on.
1: I want, I do want to say that I Can Never Take the Place of Your Man. Uh, that single, the original, was released on my 11th birthday. So just do the homework <laughs> on that, then you know when my birthday is. There you go.
0: That's a good clue for all 'all (laughs) y'all.
1: So I'm giving away my age. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) Giving away my age there. So, yes, I think this has been a wonderful conversation, but we are going to get into the main subject, which is the profane. So the first part of this program has been about the sacred and, of course, dot, 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 the profane. I want to ask you, Mm Jesse, what is the song that comes to mind? For both Michael and Prince, when you think of the profane, if there's any at all.
0: Profane. Okay, for Michael and Prince. Should we define profane in a sense to make it a bit more recognizable? Because when I hear profane, I think of like dark or somehow explicit. I don't know. I don't know.
1: So I think profane is a pretty subjective definition, depending on who you ask. Yes, I would say. (laughs) But it's basically something that's seen as wrong, as unholy. Uh, You look at it uh, with contempt. Okay, yes. All right. Well, ooh. (laughs) (laughs) It's basically like uh, the perfect example I would give that is a common knowledge of something that's profane is Madonna's Like a Prayer Video. If you've seen that, then that's a common that's definition of, of what is videos, profane. Actually. Oh my goodness, really. I yeah. thought that it was actually racist. Oh yes. Skir. Uh,
0: we could go yeah. on and on. Their their levels so, of action.
1: So let let's you know. let's start let's start with that, because if we're okay. gonna define profane, so I Not the video in and of itself. I think it's Madonna just stirring up controversy to do that because that's what she's known for. That's what she's known for. (laughs) But you look at the history of Africans being abused, arrested, etc. by the police. So you look at the end of the short film, the African guy who's supposedly the role of Jesus. And that's not even the part that's offensive to me, because if we look at the history of the world and the map and biblically Jesus didn't had no blonde hair or blue eyes, but yeah, you know, that's right. a whole other thing. But mm-hmm. if you look at the end of the short film, the African man was helping somebody, but he was deemed guilty, thus arrested. Madonna was just looking on. She wasn't like, Oh wait, he wasn't the one who did it, but she's looking on as the white woman. Like, okay, I'm just going to let him get arrested and, and jail. Then, then she starts mm. dancing or whatever. That's offensive to me. Because that is, a, you see what's happening in this day and age, and they're giving all these names to people like Corner Store Caroline, and you know, and so people mistakenly saying this person touched me, this person did. That's what happened with Emmett Till.
0: Mm. Where yeah, exactly.
1: A Wrongful white woman accusation. accused him of sexually assaulting her, and he was murdered. He was tortured and murdered. And dumped in and the river. And she
0: even admitted the woman who accused him that she years was later. lying years exactly. later before she passed Never. away. And yeah. I feel like with that kind of acknowledgement of guilt, she should have been sent. And don't get me wrong, I don't agree with the prison system, but in this context, yeah. she should have I mean, been underneath if they... the prison. Because <laughs> when you make that yeah. kind of accusation and you keep it a secret for years and you acknowledge, like, and this happened all the time at that time it it still happens so i mean i feel like that's nothing that should be taken lightly that's a big accusation exactly
1: Exactly. and so at the end of the short film it was all a play like that's offensive to me because Mm -hmm. these are real issues that happen to african people to men like this guy who you looked at as jesus and she's sicilian so, you know, uh, they got the black Madonna all up in the Vatican. So, I mean, she's playing with those images. It's like, okay, it's all a play. We can all dance. I, that's offensive to me. And so, I I, I don't know. That's well, Madonna, if
0: you didn't want to talk. be a part of the Music and Week podcast, welcome to. The-
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, what, what did, did you, you like about
0: really
1: it? What um, would you like about
0: it? Well, I just thought what I, I I guess what I took out of it and because I tend to look at videos differently from different angles and yeah. the angle that I mostly appreciated was that she was playing with the image of Jesus, because I know a lot of people see Jesus as that what you said, you know, that European image. And I like how she just remixed it to be black, which she knew would pissed off a lot of people, which it did and the Catholic Church in general has a lot of symbolism going on and she basically took all of the things that were seen as divine and made it sacrilege because she made it sexual which i love because again one thing just mentioned prince involved in this as well you know it's one thing to be spiritual it's another thing to be spiritual and acknowledge a sexual aspect because the church tends to not like that blend it's usually just spiritual. Sexual stuff is always shunned. You can't even express sexuality without it being seen as just disgusting or even abominable by some interpretations. So I like that she reversed it because it's really not that serious. I don't think it's, you know, it's one thing when you're trying to provide a healthy context. It's another thing when you're trying to dictate how somebody presents themselves because you think it's, you know, morally, disadvantaged or whatever that's what i appreciate appreciated about it i don't remember much outside of that because i wasn't because i know madonna you know i know she tends to do things for attention and shock value and it it works because it did piss off a lot of people because it was a because before then no one would have ever thought of doing a video like that because the catholic church has so much power anyway you know and they've already taken down a lot of um stories that make their organization look, you know, bad. So to me, it was just a brave way of saying, ah, I can do this and you're going to be pissed off and whatever. And that's, so that's kind of what (laughs) I
1: liked about it. (laughs) The other thing I found really problematic about Madonna is the open your heart video. I am amazed. Not a lot of people have come out, particularly in this age of me too. In my view, that promoted pedophilia. She's flirting with a young boy, literally a young boy. Oh wow. I didn't know that. And she's See, doing strip familiar. teases and open your heart. I'm amazed that Woo. nobody said anything about that in this day and age. I know that well, there have been a couple of people is, over the years, but that always is, I always had a problem with that.
0: And uh oh, we can go on and on. We should probably let me mention Prince because I can if I'm gonna be on Madonna, I'll be on Madonna. On well, her imagery and just kind of what she does. <laughs> There's
1: a lot I just wanted to bring that in perspective of what the profane is since you asked. Right.
0: Okay. Well, that's a good, uh, I get the picture for, so like visually, <laughs> see Michael being the visual, I can start with Michael first because I say Michael had a way of making videos and I don't feel like, I guess the, okay. Yeah. The way you make me feel. There you go. <laughs> that's the that's the music video that would be seen as the profane because of how it's presented and just kind of what nuances are brought forth watching that video. So, I mean, if you haven't seen it, you obviously see Michael is basically catcalling this woman and he's making advances. Hey! You know, you kind of just, you know, and that which <laughs> just saying that, hey, has a different context. I mean, yes, usually does. when I hear that it's funny cause I hear that a lot, especially among black people. They say, hey, you know, get, you know, whatever. It can be funny, but in the context of catcalling, it can be very terrifying I imagine for a woman. And you would know this as a woman who's been catcalled, and yes. you know, just seeing that that's not cool because you can't really demand someone's attention and you're not, you shouldn't have to go to someone and do that. The tones in that video are very misogynistic Mm-hmm. Whether that was his intention or not, I don't believe completely that he wanted that imagery shown, but it didn't matter. It was shown. And he probably not even because he was right. Ra- I mean, we have to also remember Michael and Prince. I'm going to say this as a, another side note. Michael and Prince were raised in a very religious, which often has <laughs> patriarchal systems attached to it. You know, and Jehovah's Witnesses, that's definitely involved in that. You know, the woman being subject to the man and the man being subject to God, you know, all of these different subjectations, uh, so to speak. So Michael definitely carried some of that, you know, seeing Joe Jackson, even, you know, his father, seeing what that was like, how that influenced just his ideas of woman. A lot of these things, you know, I think it's important to know as well. They're connected to something a bit broader because if you're brainwashed to just kind of carry these values that are toxic if you're not checked you just kind of grow up thinking that that's normal until you meet someone who might call you out like hey what made you say something like that what makes you think i can't do this or what makes you think my role is to just do this then you're not really thinking about it you know michael was about how that came out in 1987 i want to say he was nearly in his 30s or right at his 30s when that video came out and I'm, I wonder what what was it like for you seeing it at that time? Because it's a whole thing differently now. And it shouldn't be, but I think that's what tends to happen as time goes on. We, we tend to look at things with a different light. And now a lot of videos from the 80s are obviously misogynistic and just mm-hmm. sexist. I mean, Purple Rain is a good example for Prince. If you're going <laughs> to, if we're speaking of Michael, Prince with Purple Rain, the movie, the the whole movie in itself, you know. Mm-hmm. That's a very misogynistic film. And it's a bad film to me. I don't care yeah. for it. Um, <laughs> so, but that's profane. And that's funny because Purple Rain is also yet the sacred as well because in there are elements of God. So I feel like Prince was always trying to yearn for that sense of sacredness in his music. And when I think of Prince, not outside of a visual context, I can also think of a song like We Can Fuck or We Can Funk. <laughs> that's a very profane kind of song the one that was just released on his recent purple rain deluxe album uh it was the original which is we can fuck which i'm sure he would have never wanted that out hey. <laughs> obviously um because there's this journey of sexual explosion and it just it's very dark in the sense when i listen to it it's like wow he's really like it doesn't it sounds almost sinister in a way but yet it sounds soulful and like meaningful but then at the end it's like nah this was just a fuck you know which makes it kind of like what are you doing you know but that's a good example i think because and then with that song in particular he's also has changed that song around so many different times because that came out originally or was supposed to come out originally in 84 but then he visited it back in 1987 which was vastly different right, then he put it on graffiti right. bridge which was vastly different he had george clinton right. on Klain, it. yeah. but then in 2012 or 11 i believe he did a version with andy allo called we can love which was like <laughs> wow so you're really just kind of <laughs> battling with this like what is it trying to be you know and the same can be said about various songs in his catalog that he's kind of gone back to and just kind of changed so he was very much about i mean another example is extra lovable the original obviously is probably one of the most profane he's did, along with lust you always two songs where he's mentioning rape which you know you can't really get around that um you know you, you know and i think he really he knew that that was a popular bootleg and obviously he didn't want to be you know, associated to that message because there's a line where he's like, "I'm on the verge of rape," and you know, hearing that it's like, you know, you can take it any way. It's music, and it's like, oh, maybe he's talking about intensity of feeling, but still, it just doesn't come across as nice or just any spectrum of good in that context. So he he reworked it on his last album. He obviously did the song again, but that line was not in that, and he wanted it to be heard this kind of way. So I feel like Prince was always journeying in his music. And I really appreciate that he always recontextualized his music. Like he never just did a song and was like, well, this is how it sounded on the record. Like it was never like that. Like depending on where he was, it was either about God. It was either about love. It was either about whatever. That's kind of how he used his music. So long story short with Michael, the way you make me feel, um, the Mm -hmm. video. Mostly I can say video because in terms of like, songs I can't really think of anything because I also associate Michael and Prince as storytellers and they tell songs within their music so I don't really judge it according to oh this is profane or oh this is sacred that I kind of just go based off of the context of how I'm listening to it I think but those are my examples
2: what about you
1: (laughs) I look at the sacred and the profane as being merged when it comes to Prince and Michael and when I think of the sacred and the profane, those those two are the ones I think of the most. Madonna, I think she's just being incendiary to do so. So it's not necessarily profane Gosh. in the sense I'm thinking of because what's deemed profane is usually something that challenges society. I don't know if you remember, there yeah, was this okay. art exhibit in the Brooklyn Museum and I actually went to see it. And it was briefly before I left New York before I came back. Mm-hmm. And it was an art exhibit called Sensation. And it oh. had British artists all over the place. And David Bowie actually was the narrator to this exhibit. Wow. And, yeah. And you had the piece by Chris O'Leafi. and It was the one where they had the elephant dung. And everyone just, like, this is so profane. And, uh, and he was, what was connecting. It? The elephant I think one? it was called uh, uh, the Elephant Dung. So, I think, what was it called? It wasn't called Black Jesus. It was something. Mm. I need to look this up, and hopefully, before this is over, uh, I'll find the name of it. And I had a picture, I think it was a picture of an African Jesus, and it had elephant <laughs> dung. And that was and,
0: considered a <laughs>
1: Yes. So, I'm going to look this up. That's funny. Because... Everyone, Giuliani, who was mayor at the time, wanted to ban this exhibit. They wanted this piece out. It was considered profane. Well, yes, Giuliani is a racist. Yeah, let's
0: not even go on, Gio.
1: I mean, I I left New York before before the end of Giuliani's term, but I saw what Giuliani did with the land grabbing slash gentrification of New York. That's profane to me, what happened to New York. Uh But that's a perfect example of what's deemed profane, where it's shaping how people view things and turning Mm. things up on its head. And so Michael and Prince did that very thing. And when you're talking about the very nature of profane, you have to mention Darling Nikki, because Darling Nikki was the very inspiration for the foundation of the PMRC. PMRC Was co-founded by Tipper Gore. Everyone's like, "Oh, Tipper Gore, whatever." But she was married to Al Gore. Everyone thinks Al Gore was this liberal, re- the Democrat. Mm-mm. But it just shows how much those ideologies merge. Oh. <laughs> Their daughter was listening to Darling Nikki and she walked in was like, What are you listening to? Da, 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 da. And they wanted to put labels on albums. And I really don't know how Prince felt about that. I'm sure in private he was very saddened by that because right after you know, met uh, Darling Nikki, yeah, I
0: said, no, I was like, just what, what? on a brief note, Prince did mention that once because oh, there's an okay. yeah there's an interview he did in '96. It's kind of hard to find, but it's not that difficult. Um, and it was an interview he did in 96, some local uh, station. And they they mentioned that. And he was like, oh, I wonder what she thinks now. He said, I mean, he's like, Darling Nikki was in contrast to what, what was going on now. And I mean, and obviously this is at the emergence of hip hop and gangster mm-hmm. rap at this time, too, especially in 96, was very misogynistic. I think he felt some kind of way or, about it originally. But then he okay. saw, because Darling Nikki, you're right, that you know, that is, a, it is considered profane, I guess, because you're using the word masturbating, but mm-hmm. especially in the 80s, I imagine that was just, ooh, you don't mention that word, but uh, I mean, it's <laughs> it's like, that's, again, that, that has a lot to do with just Christian teaching, and oh, you know, you can't masturbate, and all of these <laughs> other ridiculous things we tell each other about sexuality, <laughs> so, um but yeah, I do think he he felt some kind of way originally, but Yeah, you're right. You can't mention this whole conversation without that song, because I imagine, do you what did you feel? I don't know. How was it for you to hear that song, Darling Nikki, when it came out? Like, did you think it was profane or
1: Mm, not particularly? I mean, I wasn't into the Purple Rain album then and I'm still not. Right. But I was actually more fascinated by what was being said backwards and it was around that time where i was at somebody's house and they were trying to figure it out too so we put it backwards and it's like oh okay that's what it was saying so the fact that hello how are you i'm fine that the fact that that happened right after darling nikki to me that was a mixture of the sacred and the profane and we could have a whole episode about dissecting Darlene Nicky. I will not do that. But <laughs> uh, <laughs> but the fact that you had that song and it's about, some people said, oh, it's about his relationship with Warner Brothers. Oh, it's like, I, don't, I don't know. We could dissect that. But the mm-hmm. fact that he had, hello, how are you? I'm fine because I know the Lord is coming soon. For him to have that after Darlene Nicky. Is exactly what I'm talking about. He's flipping one thing over on his yeah, head, but saying, he This that. is where I really right. stand.
0: This is what I was trying to tell my mother because I played for her, Mary, Don't You Weep, and she just did not mm-hmm. know that that was Prince. She was like, Oh my <laughs> goodness. She was like, Oh, <laughs> oh she's like, Where the, and so then I played Still Will stand All Time and, you know, all of these other spiritual songs. It's like Prince is a very, you know, like he had a way of doing that. He would merge right. them because to him, it meant the same thing. Like sex is just Mm -hmm. as powerful as, as love and God and all of that. Like it's, it's, it's no distinction. Why are we making these distinctions between, you know, how, and that's why I appreciate him a lot because I feel like a lot of people just distinguish everything and you can't really appreciate it because it's, Oh, you can't listen to that because it has this and, you know, Oh, I'm not telling someone how to live their life and how to Mm -hmm. define what their morality is. But I think ultimately you should, at least for me when i listen to music i'm not over here putting all of these brackets attached to it because after all i can learn something from it or i can say ah oh, this isn't for me but to control it or to say oh you can't mention god and sex at the same time prince was the biggest example I was like yeah you can you know because <laughs> this song about she was masturbating in a magazine but it, it finishes that's the story he's screaming nikki and then you hear you know the Lord is coming soon, or even in 1999, he's like that with "Let's pretend we're married." He says, "You know, I, I believe in God, but I'ma have fun every night." You know, like it, I, you know, it didn't matter to him. Like, why can't I believe in God and still be a kid and fuck around? You know, <laughs> why can't I do both? So, um, so yeah, I, that's
2: a that's a good
1: point. So. The painting was called The Holy Virgin of Mary, and I think I pronounced his name wrong. Excuse me. I'm sorry, sir. His name is uh, Chris O'Feely. I think I pronounced it O'Leafy, so excuse me. Mm -hmm. I apologize. But it actually sold for 2.9 million pounds or $4.6 million in 2015, June 30th. And I saw the painting in person. I did actually not see what was the big deal. And so the painting is of course of the black Madonna and she's wearing a a cape and her breasts are made of dried and furnished elephant dung is how it's described here. But yeah, I just, I don't, I saw in that exhibit more pieces that were disturbing. It's like that one guy who always used to cut out animals and them in formaldehyde to me that's just ew. but mm-hmm. i mean the, the chris O'Feely painting i said okay you know? <laughs> but i think the chris O'Feely, yes name. i think I, I think uh he's nigerian if i'm not mistaken i i have seen interviews with him in the past i think the reason why it's offensive to people or profane a it's a black madonna not a white one Mm -hmm. and it's also it's like oh elephant dung but in a lot of cultures elephant dung is is positive and it's about regeneration so Mm -hmm. i exactly people are really ignorant about how people utilize their art and their cultural connections people when they look at art they only have their framework and it's usually western but chris O'Feely, again if i'm not mistaken is nigerian and so a, a lot of that is
0: now is pretty amazing. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> and
1: I'm yeah. like, what's the big deal about this? I saw the painting up close when it came out in that exhibit. And I said, what? <laughs> well,
0: that's because, so, again, people
1: don't contextualize shit. <laughs> they just see <laughs> it. And,
0: and then it's funny because it's, it's your sensory, you know, nerve endings reacting to something you don't understand. But you see something that just looks out of context, for instance, ass. And you're like, it's <gasps> ass. It's like yeah, but it's just ass. Like, why does it have to be sexual?
1: Why does it have to be like anything? You're making it like.
0: Maybe well, it's like you... it's
1: like. I mean, it's breasts. People sexualize breasts all the they, time. Oh, breasts. But perfect. They're example. they're like, used to feed yeah. your child. You they're know. Used to fe- exactly. <laughs> they can be like. They I'm so be. glad
0: you said breasts because that's the that's the one that really has has it the worst. Like you can't even see it without it being like. <gasps>
1: it's,
0: like it's not that serious. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and then part part of the painting that people also were offended by was that it's you know genitals or something. So I mean I think it's it's along the same lines as Prince where sexuality is merged with spirituality. So you know yeah. people are going to either be offended by it or not see why it's offensive. And I think with Michael, what would be profane. I think his whole life in many ways was profane, how he presented himself with the whole uh, skin change with his view on children. I think the Martin mm. Bashir interview would definitely be seen as profane to many people Yeah. given like, Oh, you already were charged with being a pedophile. Why would you do this again? Uh, so, mm. I mean, that's a whole other episode because I have yeah. the same questions. I don't think he did anything, but I don't think he was guarded in in that way and that's a problem, that is a huge problem. I think history could be seen as profane in many ways given again the trial that was happening Mm -hmm. moonwalker could be seen as profane i mean that movie had child abuse in it i I think his whole (laughs) career was deemed profane uh, particularly after the quincy jones period everything that he did was deemed as profane in some capacity with prince you could say that but prince was more overt and again how i'm looking at profane is that it's challenging societal norms and even though prince uh, wore six inch heels even though he wore makeup even though he wore lace and all that there were still factors about prince just like michael but i think the way that prince displayed his sexuality it was still seen as masculine
2: yeah. even
1: though again he wore heels and you know because he got all the ladies right even though you know he said he still got the right. ladies well michael was deemed asexual so of course that's profane Michael had a high-pitched voice, so that was profane. He hung out with kids, so that was profane. He, yeah, he didn't uh, talk yeah, about exactly. sex as much mm-hmm. as people would have liked him to, so that right. was profane. So that
0: was profane. Yeah. So know. his oh, whole
1: wow. career in some capacity was seen as profane. Whereas Prince, just how he dressed or Darling Nikki or some things was like, oh, okay, I don't know about that. But he gets all the ladies. He got Sheila E. Oh, he right. got Carl <laughs> Oh, he got you know so So people were okay with Prince because he did fulfill some societal expectations based on his sexual choices.
0: It's absolutely true. He found a way to get away with it because people just was like, "Oh, that's Prince. Oh,
1: that's Prince. Oh yeah, he got. Oh, you know, that's just
0: how he is. You know." But it's funny seeing how people navigate with him now because you know I I watched a couple of videos recently, um, and I'm gonna mention "Sexy Motherfucker." Because that's the one I just watched on YouTube. And, you know, it was really funny watching it because I didn't realize, you know, I appreciate it because, you know, in general, I know when I first heard that song, I was like, oh, wow, that's quite the song. Like, what a song, you know. Um, <laughs> you sexy motherfucker. And then he's like, sexy motherfucker shaking that ass. So, like, when I watch the video, you know, what I appreciate is just not just women shaking their ass. Everybody shaking their
2: ass. Right. You know,
0: and, it's, and that's what the whole deal is, you know. And I like how he recontextualized that because a lot of people, I'm sure, because I read reviews and I've seen some things on the org where people are like, oh, you know, you know, Prince did this song and it sounds so, you know, this. And it's like, well, he's not saying any. I don't see how that can be seen as profane. And I think he often blurred the lines. Right. Um, when it came to what was seen as profane, as we talked about with songs uh, that he did, so I mean he he had a good way of remixing it, and I think a lot of times, you know, just going on Michael, what you said is true. You know, his very existence was seen as profane because, first of all, he had just another layer of talent and also fame. It just happened to be where everyone just attached themselves to that, and in a way he didn't know how to always navigate properly because he hadn't healed properly from the trauma that he experienced. Mm -hmm. Um, He just was on to one thing and I believe he did get help in some instance, but you can see clearly he was still having a lot of influence from people who didn't have his best interest. And they sometimes made him look worse than he actually, because I don't believe any of the accusations obviously, but they had a way of setting him up, To make him be seen as just someone who didn't know what he was doing, but he definitely kind of got his act together towards the end, and he really made sure that you know I'm not going to be hanging around with these people just trying to get me to look (laughs) bad. Um, But within well, he he had
1: to he had had to because he saw the consequences. Yeah, 2005. He finally understood the consequences. Oh. People don't see my love for kids in the same way that I do. Oh, okay. Oh okay. Yeah. Oh, oh, okay.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: He had to awaken to that calling. But when but once he did again he he followed through it. And then you can clearly see he was on the path where he needed to be. It's one thing when people like the both of them well, I wanna ask you a question. When it comes to the profane, do you feel like Michael, being that he was a visual artist mostly? after the way you make me feel especially like is there any other time where you felt it was in that same kind of light as the way you make me feel
1: i would say definitely the trailer for the history album could be seen as profane yes. a lot of people yes. saw That's major a good, I'm so nazi that imagery in right. that people um, are like trying for the will right. what are you doing michael so yeah That's a good
0: one. You know, I was just watching that video and that's a very fun video to watch because it displays just how extravagant, dramatic, colorful, militant, just kind of like bold Michael could be. And that's what I appreciated about it because or even the statues, like the idea of like, hey, I'm going to put statues all over Europe, just like y'all got statues of all and it's going to be me that's like that's that's someone who understands the power of a statue for one and just to recontextualize it so i i really enjoyed the fact that he did that um but the video it is a bit sometimes when i watch videos it's like wow because you see people feigning he's basically the mo- he's the captain
2: <laughs>
0: you know i'm the commander everyone's you know chasing and you can see you know, he's shining he's glimmery. And it's like, and then after all of this, we take off the the veil and it's a statue and it's history, mm-hmm. right. past, present, future. That is some, every time I share that video and I, I, and I see it, I saw a really good HD version recently and it's like, that's a, that's amazing. I, but I can see why it's profane because again, it's like, who are you? Who are you supposed to be? What you trying to say? You like a God? You know, people, a lot of people thought it was him trying to be, you know, almost like a God almost or a um, an idol, you know, his golden calf, so to speak.
1: Well, I look at all of that, the statue, as overcompensating for whatever trauma he had, and that made mm-hmm. him feel good at the moment. Why, as I just mentioned, why I think it would be seen as profane, because it definitely has vestiges of Lenny Reifenstahl. You look at Triumph of the Will, watch that film, and then go watch... That trailer, and you're like, why would you do that, Michael? Mm. And then of course the armband. I know he was talking about how the armband. He will not stop wearing it until people stop getting murdered and abused. But you look at that armband. It is reminiscent of Nazi regalia. And then you have you have the military. You have all these people fainting. I mean, if you look at traditional German footage around that time in the Third Reich. And then again, you look at the Michael film. Yes, it can be seen as profane. And I think when Michael was interviewed by Diane Sawyer, I think that was the only question she got right. And I think he squandered that opportunity to answer it properly, because he could have put some historical context to it. He could have even said, your answer, well, y'all put all these European statues in our communities. <laughs> now I'm going to Europe. He could have did that and just yeah. been like, drop the mic. But he was never that good at answering questions in a way that had tact. It was just like, oh, you're asking me a hard question. I don't know how to answer that. So that could have been a perfect opportunity to put you're that into right. perspective. He, yeah, he could have
0: contextualized it. He could but have been more if, quick. But I think he loves yes. the idea of giving people the space to make it. He wasn't like – I'm not going to say he wasn't witty because he was. Mm. But it wasn't <laughs> like a, like you, you you just described that, right? Like a lot of times he would kind of squander and he was like, well, you know, that's one way you can take it. But yeah <laughs> he didn't really answer it or contextualize it. And I think he wanted you to just suspect it was all of these different things because I had no I have no doubt that he was informed about the connection to the nazi
2: imagery yeah of course like he, he was he knew he,
0: he he was totally aware of that but yeah. that's not how he wanted to present it he was looking yeah, at it from right. and i and that's kind of how i appreciate it like i love the armbands I, I love that he would always wear that because it is a way that's another thing that but here's the thing it's going to also attract <laughs> you know people who interpret that armband to mean something of a white supremacist uh You know, interpretation. So it's like there's a lot of things you're inviting with that when you. Exactly.
1: And that's why he should have had a formulated answer. His answers are formulated to all these other things, except for the stuff that matters. That's honestly my opinion. And he could have said, you know, I don't agree with the Nazis, but stylistically, I am into Lenny Riefenstahl's films. That may be wrong to people. I think her films are beautiful. I'm a person about art. That inspired me to make that. He could have said anything, but he was like, well, uh, (laughs) no, you just wanted your opportunity to have a proper answer. And so anyone watching that film, and I have friends who will not watch that because they are Jewish. And they're like, no, that reminds me of the Nazis. And they don't respect Michael. And that's what I'm saying. Like, you can't just have something for that interpretation and say, okay, well, this is, you can't, that's not responsible. He's irresponsible on that part. And I get having the statue is, in my view, it's an overcompensation again. And I love your response about. well, yeah, y'all got European people all over Africa and all over our community. Right. Like, I think he could have had that and I would have been like, drop the mic. But that would have been drop
2: the mic,
0: yeah.
1: Right. And, <laughs> but he never came up with a solid or tactful answer to why he did things like that. And that's, again, the only thing I agree with Diane Soren when she asked that question. Because what was the question again? Did she, did she Basically, she was making it? the... yeah. She was okay. making that connection. Like, why would you do something like that? Like that's for me. Cause I think she actually uh, practices Judaism, I think. And so like for her, that's what it reminded her of. So I think it was a proper question. As many people as they hate Diane Sawyer, I'm going to agree with that question. And he squandered that opportunity to properly answer that. He was just like, well, I don't know. I'm making art. I'm like, that's not responsible. <laughs> that is not responsible. And I think, I think had Prince done something like that, he would have given a more tactful answer. Like, well, you know, uh I've watched these films and inspired me. I know that that now, was that ooh, intent. Then. It's not mine. See, the thing is people
0: weren't paying attention enough when Prince did it. Like Yeah. There were various things that could be seen as like, Hey, well, you know, it's the, the most recent thing I can think of, and I say recent, but it was like two thousand eleven or twelve, but he made an interview he had an interview where he mentioned the burqa. And he was oh. suggesting that, yeah, that the woman wanted to wear the burqa. Like, they had no choice or something. Wait,
1: that wait, it, it wait, was, wait. Did, is it that she didn't have a choice or she wanted to? Which one?
0: He said they
1: don't have a choice. Like, and you you would, are, but, that, that but, would be false because there are plenty of Muslim women that would say, no, I choose to wear it. So you, right, you no, have to ask was, people it was that. A, you can't speak right. for
0: people. Well, exactly. Well, what I'm saying is not just a put a note out again i don't know the full context but i do know it yeah. just sounded as if it wasn't it wasn't received well and i remember it just being shared <laughs> yeah. and then he you know he made a comment he had a follow-up and he was like that's not what i meant i was totally re you know they didn't they took my words out of my mouth basically that that's not oh like like
1: the like the gay comments he made <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: oh yep. yeah yeah <laughs> People just be putting things everywhere. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean it like that. I have gay friends who are also JW. Like, come on. Just stand behind your words, but be tactful. And like you before you open your mouth, think about what you, say. Yeah, think and about what you said. And they both said things that were problematic. Right. But in right. terms of the profane, to me, that's probably one of the most profane things that Michael did was that history trailer because of those yeah. reasons.
0: Well, I had never, you know, I'm glad you mentioned it because, you know, honestly, I've never Again, being that I'm not um, a Jew and, I, you know, it could affect me differently. I don't know how. I'm it's not Jewish how, either, though. No, you're not I either. No, but I'm just, no, I'm just saying in particular the ones who mentioned that they couldn't watch mm-hmm. it because it reminded them of that. It's like, again, people associate different experiences to different experiences or different art pieces through their experiences. And, you know, that's one way you can see it. And it could be one of those things where it's like, hey, why did you do that? You know, what made you do it? What What's your answer? So, yeah, I would say that's a good choice outside of. um, What else did you mention? You, you mentioned the history trailer and the way you make me feel, I guess, that video, too. But
1: well, you, you yeah, I just think his life in general as an adult was profane right, given that he always like people's expectations of him. He did not meet in terms of music. Yeah, I can't think of music per se, but childhood, if anything, because... Mm. again his connection with children his association with, with children is always going to be profane and so if he's talking about have you seen my childhood <laughs> people are like what are you talking about man right, what yeah, are you right, what exactly. you were on stage you didn't like it what are you talking right, about?" right
0: right right so.
1: exactly
0: <laughs> <laughs> they don't because they don't, don't understand yeah. what he was asking for exactly. they look at it like oh well he was oh i would love to tour the world and blah blah it was like no but I, because of all of this, I wasn't able to explore myself. I wasn't able to find myself. I wasn't able to really live the life that I wanted. Because I think he was torn between that life. He, you know, at one hand, of course, is his bloodstream in a sense. But then on the other hand, he's like, yeah, but I can't do what I want to do. And you know, then he was being abused for it. And it's like, oh, there's a lot of stuff that went into it. I mean, all of the Jacksons kind of had to deal with that. You know. And Michael was really sensitive. I love that he explored that and he made it a deal. It's okay to cry. It's okay to be emotional. He, that was just putting the spotlight on him again. He did a good thing in changing that narrative, even when it came to him having children without a wife. Like, oh, is there not a a woman around? (laughs) He's like, well, women do it all the time. But, you know, why can't I do it? Mm -hmm. Because the expectation...
1: you know, I don't even think he was thinking of it from that perspective. In my view, I think it's, it was a control issue for him. If he had to actually share the responsibility right? half and half, he would lose control about how he wanted to raise the kids. And so, he had that deal with Debbie Rowe, where she would 100% give up custody. And I think he was happy with that because he had control over how he raised the kids. Yeah, And for him to... Want to have kids with Lisa Marie? Yes, he wanted to have kids with Lisa Marie. And she said, no, you're too immature. <laughs> From what I what I heard, allegedly, I'm just going to put that out there. But I think had they actually had kids together, I don't think it would have worked worked out, given their personalities. Mm. I think it would have clashed. I think it would have ended in joint custody or mm. full custody, one of them, and visitation rights. I don't know, but I don't think it would have worked out had they... Had kids together. That's just my opinion.
0: It's probably Uh, why they didn't.
1: Yeah, I I think it is. And I think it really did work out where he wanted to have full custody of the kids and wanted to raise raise the kids his way. I really do think that's the case.
0: Yeah, that's, you know, oh, my goodness, Jamila, you're bringing to light all of these things that I've been seeing, but not really (laughs) knowing how to (laughs) say (laughs) So.
1: I just think Michael, because he didn't have control over his life in so many ways, he wanted to have control he in other ways. The least think, over that? Yes, having kids was one way, and you know he didn't abuse his kids or anything, but how he raised them, he's like, I need to do this in a way where I feel like I have control.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So I I really don't think it would have worked out with Lisa Marie. I think she was right about that. I know a lot of people hate her, but I think she was right about that.
0: So she even confirmed that.
1: Well, I saw in interviews and hopefully those interviews were accurate where she said she did not want to have kids with him because he was too immature. And he even alluded to that in his music. You told me you were going to give me kids and then you didn't. And they divorced after that because he wanted kids so bad. Right. He wanted he's been talking about that. But I remember in an interview in 1984 in Rolling Stone, I have it in print. I don't have it when it's somewhere else right now. But is a print interview I have where he talked about he wanted to have kids, but he did not want to be the biological father because of whatever reason, either he didn't want to be reminded of his father. I think that's what he was alluding to in the interview, if I remember. And also talked about alluded to health issues and stuff like that. So I don't think it's a case that he didn't, quote, want to have black kids. I think his life with Joe Jackson was so painful that he did not want to be reminded of that in any way, be it genetically, be it his own fathering, whatever. But I don't think it's a, I don't want no black kids, which people assume. What an, I don't, in I it, I really oh, my don't goodness.
0: Think I would love to. To read this when you find it.
1: i have to find it it's i have it's from 1984 rolling stone if anybody else listening has this <laughs> i really don't think that he had these issues with self-hate as so many people think given his views on how he lived his life again was deemed profane so if people read that they probably would have deemed that as profane because the whole thing is that you you sire a bunch of children and you maintain your kingdom and all of this and that's what people are conditioned to do but saying well i don't really want to birth kids like what are you talking about that's so i think even that even back in 84 a lot of stuff he said was deemed profane carrying emmanuel lewis like he was his baby, like, that was deemed weird. Mm. Hanging out with Brooke Shields, like, all these Mm -hmm. people were like, what is wrong with this guy? (laughs) Why didn't you marry Diana Ross? She didn't want to marry him. So, I think, since his adult life, everything he did was deemed as profane, or at least 90% of the things he did was deemed as profane, because he did not meet societal expectations. Prince, again, met Some Mm. of them enough to not be totally deemed profane.
0: (laughs) Grand way of putting it.
1: (laughs) But yeah, he was considered to be feminine as well. I mean, you know, shirts, blouses, all of that. So still around that time, he's wearing lace and wearing some aspect of dark lavender. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And he's going you know i mean people were like you we don't know what to do with this guy but he's getting all the ladies so i it, it's just it's really the ladies and it's also
0: that he seemed i think a lot of people would say prince just seemed confident all the time like whatever he was doing yes, he was doing yes. it you know yes and, it, and, and he think, didn't care what yes. you thought about it because he was gonna do it
1: exactly
0: and,
1: exactly <laughs> so. exactly and i think that's why people were attracted to him And I think people saw the vulnerability in Michael, so he was easier to attack. I know it's that whole thing, the bigger the star you are, but I think people did see Michael's vulnerability. People who are bullies, all they do is point out your weaknesses and they make sure to check for that. Michael was bullied from afar and up close. And I think after a certain point, he stopped caring about that and said, "Okay." And I think you saw that in the interview he did with Geraldo Rivera. Where he's like, okay, you know, all right. (laughs) So he started seeing a little bit more confidence in the later years. Like when he turned 40, for some reason, something happened. I I don't know if it was him having kids. I don't know what it was, but you definitely saw this shift. But then 2005 happened and he withdrew all over again. So he had a brief period where it was like, okay. And And then you saw again, 2007, you saw a little bit more confidence, but then 2009 happened where he's like, oh, I gotta do this residency. Uh, so it was just just these ups and downs. But there was a brief period where you saw his posture was better and he stood up and he seemed to have felt a little bit better about himself. Yeah. It was very brief, very brief.
0: Yeah, you did see it, and I'm glad that he managed to just get a taste of it because. For so much of his life, you know, they were just trying to tell him how to live his life. And it was something for him to navigate and maturing. I do think his children had a lot to do with it. So, Mm
1: -hmm. Speaking of the profane, I did want to address Donald Trump. I'm sure you heard that Purple Rain was played at a Trump rally.
0: Yes, I did hear that.
1: So... (laughs) (laughs) A lot of people are defending this use of Purple Rain at a Trump rally. I am vehemently opposed to it, not only because it's Prince and Prince in the Money Don't Matter Tonight video. In my view, from what I saw that video, he was not pro-Trump.
0: Yeah, I think. And
1: he he utilized Trump as being an aspect of pro greed. So to have Trump or whoever set up the music for this Trump rally say, well, Purple Rain is okay, that is offensive to me and that is profane. But people saying, well, it exposes people to Prince, that's actually even more offensive to me. (laughs) That people who support Prince say, well, it's okay. That doesn't make any sense to me. Because people haven't been paying attention. And we are the world was also played. People will say, well, Trump was friends with Michael. Michael didn't have a lot of friends. On one month, he will say, yeah, I have this, that, and the other friend. And then the next month, he'll say, I don't have a lot of friends. Trump
2: was
0: not his friend.
1: (laughs) No, they used each other. He lived in Trump Tower while he was working in New York. And Trump was like, oh, here's this person with a lot of influence in. Some level of power, I need to have them around me. And I'm sure Michael felt the same way. But to say they were friends just because they hung out in some capacity.
0: That's a disingenuous statement. Yeah, I wouldn't yeah. say that they were friends. They use each yeah. other for the benefits that they had to offer at the time. Right. And I, Yeah, so that, that, that story, <laughs> I remember seeing that on Twitter. And then I watched a <laughs> video of someone explaining that. And -hmm. I think that people, you know, that's the thing with music. It's like, you know, and and I've I realize that a lot of people who are fans of Prince are Trump supporters. Um, And
1: that's okay.
0: That's that's okay. Right. But if we're going to be frank, this is there's so many layers. The most important layer, I think, is to realize, unfortunately, when Prince isn't around, anything goes you know and so yeah. the estate i mean i believe now that there was a cease and desist so yes, there is yeah. yeah so they can't and it's good because it's not just they did this with aerosmith too stephen tyler i believe yep. something yeah so <laughs> it's tyler like,
1: was like nope <laughs>
0: right so artists have a right this is what i feel first of all the trump administration should it just shows you how awfully ran it is because legally you don't have the right to do that you have to ask You know, or comply, at least if an artist says, hey, we don't want our music in conjunction with your event, then you have to comply. You can't Mm -hmm. say, oh, well, no, it's my music. I don't want it there because it doesn't represent what I'm about. And so the I'm glad that they made that cease and desist because it shows. And this is what I try to tell people on this subject, because I've seen a lot of people like, oh, it doesn't matter. You know, like you said, the argument that, oh, it'll introduce it. Prince to deeper audiences. It's not about that. It's about this artist. We will never know for sure, but I would say I'm ninety-nine percent sure Prince wouldn't be fucking no, no. Donald Trump.
1: Just, Jesse, Jesse, I'm nineteen ninety-nine percent sure. Nineteen
0: ninety nine percent sure that Prince would not want purple rain at any of the political no cause no politics. I'm glad that they're having to comply with that it's interesting how that even and i'm glad you mentioned that you know this is kind of profane because it's like why is it that you feel it's important for this to be played at like oh it don't matter why do you well prince was very controlling with his music when he was here and we already know he wouldn't be down for it
1: And to say, oh, it doesn't matter, it's just music, it's like you spoke about earlier, people just using music for background noise. People create art, people create music to communicate with others. People create art to send a message about their experiences or to help people to look at Purple Rain, which is a song ultimately about saying goodbye, if you pay attention to it is Trump saying goodbye? Like, why would you play that? <laughs> just because, oh, it's right. it's the most popular Prince song. But the song had a particular meaning to it. So you to play right. music so just to play music before Trump it. comes out, it doesn't... Right. Mm-hmm. Or We Are the World. It's talking about Africans.
0: Right, exactly. Like, so why are you
1: playing that when you hate Africans? Like, that, doesn't, that doesn't make sense. So I, I just, I don't understand the logic of people creating these playlists. They played, who was it, Bush? or It was one of the Republican candidates. Uh-huh. They're playing Born in the USA. I think it was yeah. Raven. Playing yeah, Born yeah. in the USA when Bruce Springsteen is vehemently anti-Republican. Right. <laughs> and Born in the USA is an anti-war song. Right. So people do not, live, they listen to the chorus. But they don't yeah, listen that's to a, the
0: chorus. That's like, like don't even, right, don't even, and that's why. Again, a cease and desist letter is needed so that they say, "Hey, we don't want this because it sends the wrong message. Because the artist is coming from a anti this, and you're making it pro. You're making it, oh yeah, we're in the world. It's like no.
1: And if if it was really about exposing people to his music, if you love Prince and you know this person, doesn't say, hey, I know you don't know Prince that much. Hey, I want you to hear this song. Do it elsewhere. Why are you? One in it at some rally, which is in support of a white supremacist. Why would you do that? That's disrespecting Prince to me. That's disrespecting Michael to me. That is not exactly going with the fighting societal norms definition that I talked about. But to me, that is literally profane. (laughs) Playing (laughs) playing purple red at a Trump rally. It just is.
0: Right. No, I mean, it's absolutely (laughs) recontextualizing what Prince was about to make it fit and to make it seem as if, yeah, Prince would have had no... And then he's it's like, no, you don't do that. Especially seeing, again, <laughs> seeing how big Prince was. If there's any outrage I would justify that the Prince community partakes a bit in, is saying, hey, you know, this isn't cool. Like, mm-hmm. being that Prince had a very specific way of going about things, especially when it came to his music, you don't just play that at a trump rally especially since because trump i don't care what any trump supporter would even say oh and there's you know trump was all about love and i mean oh that's what they say prince. prince was all about love and his love for one another is like yeah but prince was very specific when it came to what he if he was about love and then so is trump about love can you literally look at him and say that trump is the type of person who cares about people who are not in the demographic who he favors, because he he seems to have a problem with women, Muslims, black people, Africans. He seems to have a problem with everybody, right? (laughs) And then he blames it on them. So is that, or are we just living in a fantasy world? Like, let's be real about this. So...
1: Once once upon a time in a land called fantasy, Trump lived there.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) He lives there. So, I mean...
1: Speaking of Money Don't Matter Tonight, I've been thinking a lot about this song and really having it be comparable to They Don't Care About Us. Especially if you look at Mm -hmm. the video for Money Don't Matter Tonight, and it talks about how there's greedy people in every shape, color, size, Mm -hmm. and then he's (laughs) showing the dollar bill. And I am so amazed the conspiracy theorists have not jumped on this yet. Because people have tried to jump on it. Right after Prince's transition. They obviously haven't seen that video. Because it shows the the this, the triangle with the eye. And all of that. And mm. Prince was talking about that back then. And I, I don't want to bring it up too much. Because people are like. Oh see we're going to jump on it. But Prince understood. That the nature of how they're presenting money. The nature of how these governments are working. They are satanic. And. And even uh, on the part of the video is showing, and God we trust, and that wasn't always on money. And so how all of this developed, it was countering something. Even the the Pledge of Allegiance was written by a socialist, and it did not have one nation under God. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so you know it's like when they're adding these things it's serving a particular purpose but who's god yeah are you but serving? it's
0: awful but who's god are you serving and then right. you look at the founding fathers who obviously have a problem with that i don't even like calling them that but you know thomas jefferson yeah, what, and all the did, rest of the yeah what did they uh, found right they, they yeah, found it
1: yeah
0: <laughs> yeah but <laughs> right. anyway them assholes they <laughs> actually didn't even believe in involving religion and politics and it was separated exactly. it, you know and, and i wish it right. went that way right. but the fact that they're controlling it under oh no and god we, yeah you're right it's, it serves a specific agenda and that agenda usually means alienating people who are not white it means are the even those at the top are the ones who can only sit at the table basically
1: mm-hmm.
0: privatizing you know companies and all that and
1: you know, privatizing all education,
0: education yeah. and yeah, the military, privatizing industrial, conflict.
1: Priva- privatizing yeah. water they want to privatize water in places on, around the world? Mm-hmm. So it's patenting seeds, Monsanto, mm-hmm. it's privatizing food that people should have access to. And it's right. mm-hmm. going over into organic farms and that's yes. affecting how crops are. Right. And we need to look at that. And Prince understood all of that. Yeah, so him thinking really, money don't matter tonight, right. I I really do think that's comparable to they don't care about us. I yeah. really, really do.
0: That's a good one. You know, I just watched that video not long ago. It's funny you mentioned that. I just watched it, and that is a good video. And it's a good way of, you know, calling the light, you know. He talked a lot about, you know, a child with a tear of gas, you know, mm-hmm. a child children going to war. You know, just the whole, yeah, it's a very interesting um, way that both Michael and Prince acknowledged it because you can see that obviously they understood that there was an agenda behind the war and all these other things.
1: This is why I don't understand why people are saying Prince Prince is, just about music and it's background noise. I don't think I've ever heard anyone utilize Prince and background noise in the same (laughs) sentence. I hope that (laughs) never happens until, you know, I just said it as an example, but I hope no one's ever said (laughs) that. Please. Right, no way if I I do not want to find the person who says that but yeah. Prince had very specific message and I think I was thinking about this where Diamonds and Pearls that album had such a jazz sensibility to it and when you really started seeing a lot of the political messages come out I know Prince had them earlier but people were saying oh when he became a jehovah's witness i'm like no listen mm-hmm. to that that was new power generation yeah
2: that was New Power so Generation. so he
1: still had very solid political messages during that era and it was very clear but songs like money don't matter tonight yeah, so I, yeah. I i don't understand where people are skipping over this era and they claim to quote love prince <laughs> right
0: that's what they say but they don't listen and i was saying this to you earlier i think a lot of people just listen to the music because it's just something that's on. They might just identify with a particular rhythm or beat, but they're not acknowledging the source of what's inspiring that or just kind of the messaging and Prince and Michael had messaging in their music. Like it's undeniable. They were always in the driver's seat on what they wanted to be shown. And Mm -hmm. if you listen, and if you look at any of the visuals and you listen to the music, you can hear clearly where they stand. They were not ambiguous about shit when it came to, Social justice and a lot of other issues that people don't seem to really put much care into. They definitely had a um, a a motive behind their visual arts and their music. But if it's it's just very easy to be like, oh no, that didn't happen till this. You know, it's like, but if you're really looking at it, you can see that it was there the whole time.
1: (laughs) You said social justice, and that's interesting. I I want to talk about that for a minute, but first. I just want to recite these lyrics here. Maybe we could find a good reason to send a child off to war. So what if we're controlling all the oil? Is it worth a child dying for? If long life is what we all live for, then long life will come to pass. Anything is better than the picture of a child in a cloud of gas. And you think you got it bad. And you think you got it bad. (laughs) Prince understood who the system was controlled by and people again think music is just music no people are sending definite messages saying yeah we understand that we're on the bottom tier you think that just because we're making significantly more money than you are that we're on this upper level it's like no we're also being controlled in some capacity and then that happened when he wrote slave He's telling you he's being controlled in some capacity. He doesn't have the full rights to his music. Michael was telling you that. He's doing they don't care about us. And so I'm starting to think about social justice and people talk about social justice warriors today, but you had the foundation of Mother's Day was based on something that was anti-war. The foundation on a lot of these days people honor are based in something that's anti-war. So mm-hmm. Labor Day, yes. yeah, I'm, I'm talking about the no. real Labor Day, like May mm-hmm. 1st, not whatever they, you know, <laughs> But um, But you have all of these elements where people were protesting, labor, mu- labor movements, where people were fighting to have an eight-hour day instead of working all day on your feet. People were fighting against child labor, like people, kids need a break, they need to go to school, whatever. People were fighting for all of these things. Those were also social justice movements. You have the Civil Rights era, the Panthers era, all of this. Yeah,
2: black liberation. People
1: were fighting the African Liberation Front, mm-hmm. all of these people organizing was all social justice. But now it was like, oh, Black Lives Matter, me too, oh, SJW, <laughs> And like, yeah, there's always been social justice movements. There's always so been what, social justice movements. What makes that different what happened then? Then what's happening now? Again, as I mentioned in the beginning, we're still facing the same forms of oppression. It's a different tier of it based on technology and access to it, but it's still the same forms of injustices. It's not, you want to say reinventing a wheel? Maybe it is. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But but people are still facing these same forms of oppression with, in different tiers. And to call it social justice or social justice where it is now To me, that means the people who have benefited from these forms of oppression, people who have benefited from these systems are now lashing out because they feel like they're in a corner and their voices are not prominent at this point. That's all that is in my view. So white men, all of these people are like, oh, wait, you mean I can't control what my wife does anymore? Oh, you want my wife to go out and work? Oh, what? She's being part of this women's march. Oh, social justice warrior. Oh, this right, right, Nazi right, right. feminist. Nazi oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> just,
2: it's
1: like, what are you talking about? Is And to even people using Nazi, I'm like, that was very real. <laughs> like like mm. To even equate that, it just doesn't, I don't know. I don't feel comfortable with people utilizing that, like, like a word Nazi or something. I just personally don't feel comfortable when people use that. But to say everything that's happening now is social justice warrior movement, whatever, totally negates everything that's happened in the past, even though, again, we are facing the same forms of oppression. Yes, it is ramped up now, but nothing has changed. The system still oppresses people either through labor or gender violence or you know sexual violence and all of this stuff. Nothing has changed. And so when you have these types of music were is saying yeah you know there's people controlling the oil like wars don't happen cuz somebody came over here it's like the us has not been attacked like people can debate about september 2001 but all of the other wars quote unquote mm-hmm. I know. the us was not invaded so why are why are people going <laughs> why are there? We, it's control right, right, resources it's right, to control Jesus, resources, resources and people I don't like calling them wars. I call them invasions because it's a yeah. one-sided
0: quote-unquote. Yeah. It's not like they're asking <laughs> them to come over there. Hey, let's fight. It's like, no, we have something and you're exploiting what we have. We have oil. So you're saying, okay, if you don't give it to us for a cheaper rate, then we're going to bomb you. <laughs>
1: it's, so it's like, <laughs> like it's oil. It's opium. It's, yeah. It's opium, I mean, it's it's Yeah. It's all, all of these land.
0: resources, land. It's all of these resources. Food. I mean, it's, all of what yeah. we have in America, a lot of it is packaged somewhere else, and they're not even getting paid, hardly
1: nothing. And I, you so. look at Europe. I mean, the division of Africa is based on the resources Africa has. Europe mm. did not have a lot of resources in terms of food, in terms of uh, minerals, et cetera. Mm-hmm. The technology we're using, it's powered by by colonized tonight and so mm. or coltan. Where is that based? Africa. We don't own it. We don't own the mines. We're working at the mines, but we don't own it and we're being exploited. You know, I have a privilege. I'm here being able to use it and talking to you. But I understand the conditions of the people who are mining it. I understand. I'm not perfect. I'm being very contradictory right now, being like that's horrible. And you say I get that. But we have to understand what is going on. And not say, oh, my conditions are better and whatever. Yeah, I have particular privileges, but I understand as African people, we are being faced with many of the similar conditions, our labor is being exploited. Who who works most of the temp jobs? Africans or people who do not speak English, it's people who are marginalized in some way that are working these temp jobs or working jobs where you know, they don't have state stable stability in their jobs. So these are people who are the most vulnerable and the most marginalized. So we have to look at these conditions. Mm -hmm. The the same thing happened under Trump in the eighties. You had Mm -hmm. the uh, undocumented Polish people whose labor were were being exploited Exploited, and they sued against Trump. So we can't just look at now and be like social justice war. I really don't
0: like that term social justice warrior because it's a very, very limiting term. And, it basically it basically assumes the position that you shouldn't be social about anything that's happening or that you shouldn't even be aware of it. But the truth exactly. is, the moment you learn what's going on in the world and you see all of the systematic connections to capitalism, you really kind of have to be a warrior in a sense. Or you at least kind of have to say, oh, well, there's a reason why they're coming here. You know, it's not like they just a lot of people, when they immigrate, you know, to these places, it's not like they want to leave their uh country <laughs> you know they're having fun and they're living their lives but they had to leave because they were given you know they were exploited or taking advantage over so i mean it's a lot of situations a lot of people don't really put context um but i want to mention this uh lyric in light of maurice white and prince mm-hmm. because earth on the fire did a song that prince wrote called superhero, superhero. that's yeah. it i
2: will be I will your, be your super superhero
0: <laughs> but you must understand. Damn. If I'm the VO superhero, yeah, you must you give superhero. me half a chance. Yeah. If yeah. I'm lucky, I am lucky. If I learn to read and write, where I live, you must learn to stand and fight. I'm product. I'm the product of the system. I'm aware. What's my name? It don't matter. Nobody cares. Like it's uh yeah, I just love the lyrics to this song because it just kind of puts in context that I understand you need me if you ever go to war, but I don't understand if I buy the goods. Why I can't own the store. Don't tell me that I am not worthy after 400 years overtime. If it's yours, then tell me why can't it be mine? I am just as good as you or any kind. And there's so much I can and will and want to do, but I cannot until I get through to you. Um, It's just a song, I think, that represents to me, you know, like we have to understand why things are the way they are. We can't just go out and be the superhero all the time if there are reasons as to why. You know, like, this whole this whole concept of, and we've kind of touched on it before, um, kind of do-it-yourself or bootstraps theory. where just kind of like, oh, well, you, you know, you got to do what you can do. You know, I want to mention one more song for Prince. That's mm-hmm. the Profane. Um, I was listening to it just the, the other day, and I'm like, what? So it's called Ain't Turn Around, or Ain't Turning mm-hmm. Around. It's on his uh, Plectrum Electrum album that came out in 2014. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so he's not He's only singing on the background Hannah is actually singing vocals um, mm-hmm. But it's like uh, uh-uh. Because there's a line where he says <laughs> "Um, I gotta read it so that I quote it correctly But I say it's profane only in the sense that I wasn't expecting just that It's funny, it's ironic I'm gonna just put it like this Because obviously Prince wrote it And he has a white woman singing it So, (laughs) because there's a line where he says, (laughs) We ran out of patience yesterday for them with no helping hands. We came from a people who built everything and farmed the land. Let's stop looking for a reason to die and just sound the alarm. Maybe the hand that you're looking for is at the end of your arms. Mm -hmm. So it's like, (laughs) wait. It's kind of like, hey, what you looking for a handout for? Maybe you're the one who can uh, help, which is kind of going again to that thing I was just speaking about um, where you kind of hear where it's like, oh, well, what you doing to get yourself out of the situation? But the truth of the matter is we all in this together and we're not always capable of helping ourselves because we have different ailments. Some people might have mental illness, some people have other reasons as to why they haven't arrived at the destination we might think they need to be at I just <laughs> thought that was an interesting lyric that he he, he mentioned it because again he's <laughs> he's in the background singing it but Hannah is really <laughs> the one singing it which really makes it kind of weird because she's saying that we came from people who built it it was like your people didn't build the land right? right, right. It.
1: you know <laughs> so, so unless you're
0: Irish or poor uh, Italian no, let me just anyway.
1: Well, I mean, they also sang on songs like Mars and, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, exactly, mm-hmm. you know, what are you talking about? <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's funny
2: to me.
1: <laughs> speaking speaking of, of Prince, once again, there's uh, Paris 1798430. Oh, yeah. Of course, yeah. Kevin Campbell did that. Campbell. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> Tears Spill Out in Anger, or Black Is Now Blue. Our blood can be spilled as well, but it will not make the news unless we're taken out one by one for the wrongs we have done. What else can you live by if you die by the gun bang? So this sort of has a little bit of a conservative bent to it, mm-hmm. kind of like yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. but it's still interesting that people think Prince somehow ignored the political and material conditions of African people when that would be false, because it's throughout his record collection it makes yeah. no sense everyone's like well he's multicultural and he was talking about let's you know be rainbow i'm like get out no, of here it's
0: like listen to his yeah. i mean love sign is a good <laughs> example of that too he's always had songs in his catalog where he spoke of social justice i just think a lot of people get kind of buried he had a way of he had so much music and for mm-hmm. they couldn't understand wait you just did an album last year is another always oh, another and then, he has so many <laughs> songs and I think a lot of people get lost in it but in every era any any era of his there's a social justice song I I mean he's obviously speaking even the last one you know he did Baltimore and he has a song like Dear Mr. Man and Mm -hmm. uh, there are indications of awareness there's even a song he did I was listening to it yesterday um, same page different book Mm -hmm. that was just kind of released in 2013 as a one-off but he recorded it in 2010 but that's a very social awareness kind of song as well because he's talking about you know the war like what's the like um it only matters there's only one god whatever name he took it only matters when it comes to war what are we fighting for you know um so he's talking about the things that are ran through but again i think people just get lost or they they focus on one sound and they kind of forge and with michael michael was the type you know, first of all, since he had a lot of gaps in his music, he didn't um, he wrote enough about social justice
2: mm-hmm. during
0: his, I would say, starting really with the Dangerous album. but then that carried yeah. on throughout his life. And he's obviously been affiliated with different political parties that <laughs> definitely show, you know, like the Clintons, really good friends with them performing at his inauguration. You can clearly see. And I read a story, correct me if I'm wrong, but I read that Michael donated a considerable amount of money to the Democratic Party in 2008, what well, basically led Obama to get in. It was something that I read that suggested he, they really needed funding or whatever, and he, he donated a lot of money towards them. Um, I hadn't
1: read anything, like that, but I know he did say a year prior that he wasn't supporting any of them based on his faith. I think, I think what he, he was just did, like Prince, that's the case, <laughs> right. But I think if that's the case, I think it was calculated because mm. he didn't openly support anyone based on, you know, as a Jehovah's Witness, when we grew up, we didn't support anybody. But I think he also didn't want another Bush, you know, so I think. No, of course. Right. You know, I think that was probably uh, calculated on his part, if that was the case. I hadn't heard anything about that, so.
0: Okay. (laughs) But clearly, Michael had songs that were social justice, um, and it wasn't just for people. It was for the environment. That's why I also appreciate that he, you know, he went further than, you know, obviously humans are really in control of all of the madness that we create (laughs) towards each other. But then we're affecting nature, but nature is also the one with the last laugh because, if anything, we're going to kill ourselves before mm-hmm. nature goes <laughs> <laughs> anywhere because nature is extremely adaptable and it's survived far worse than us. But it's just bad for the people who are having children and then having to put their children in a situation where there's hardly no one being, you know, accounted for when it comes for food and just, right. you know, medicine.
1: Well, that is interesting because I know Michael did not vote based -hmm. based on his belief systems and contributing financially. That's why I do think that was calculated. I don't want to see McCain. I don't want to see Republican in there. At the same time, as a Jehovah's Witness, openly, Prince Mm -hmm. was not supposed to vote, but then he's performing. Yeah, we got a black president, (laughs) y'all. So the contradictions were immense for both of them on that level. Both of
2: them.
0: Both of them. I mean, Prince knew... I remember when that story came out that he had performed at the White House, and obviously the picture came out too, and you see him and Obama on stage. Clearly, I think Prince was the type where he followed the money, you know, like he do these two million dollar right. shows. He's like, okay, <laughs> I'll perform there. You just give me my two million dollars, and that's it, you know. And 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 that's kind of how it was. It's not like he's going out of his way. And then even when Obama was first mentioned to him in 2009, he said, oh, well, you know, I have much respect for him, but you know, I don't vote. <laughs> right. Not to say that he isn't a good guy. And then he also said once, I remember I recall him saying that, what was it? I, I kind of forget now. He he mentioned, oh, yeah, it was his song in Old School Company, where he's like, if the president is black, we got to take the radio back. <laughs> power to the people, <laughs> power to the people <laughs> you know. So like, yeah, he obviously was aware that you know, oh, you know, Obama's in office, but he never, thankfully, I'm kind of glad that he didn't say anything. Well, he had. He was actually kind of shady towards Obama, actually, because there's one other comment he said mm-hmm. that really makes me smile every time I listen to it in Laveau, where he says, um, revolution time has come today because it took another blackface to see the same decay. <laughs> <laughs> which was that's a shady line it is clever because
2: you know obama this
0: is the obama exceptionalism like oh he's so great it's like no it, you, you need another black face to see the same kind of bullshit you know
2: um, <laughs> so yeah obama, I, I yeah,
1: so, yeah. yeah. Right. i i think they both saw it as an opportunity either politically or strategically i think they were definitely strategic because in the 80s, you saw Michael with Nancy Reagan and Ronald Reagan because uh-huh. they presented him. So I think he just went to, and you saw him pictures with uh, George H.W. Bush. Yeah, I, I yeah. just don't think he supported wholeheartedly any one political party. Yes, he definitely leaned more on the side of the Democrats. I don't He's agree more with him left, on that, obviously. But yeah but he also politically was conservative on a lot of issues so Mm -hmm. i think he saw value in both sides but as a whole strategically he was more democrat leaning because he he always said that jfk was his favorite president and Mm -hmm. you know he saw him hanging out with bill clinton and so Mm -hmm. you know I, i mean i I'm like ill for that, but <laughs> but I uh-huh. think a lot of what they did was strategic. For instance, when Michael performed at the was at the presidential dinner or whatever they call that, uh-huh. and he performed "Gone Too Soon" and right. what was it? Heal the world or something. Heal I can't the, remember, world. Yeah, but the world, yeah. it was Heal the world. So he said, "Hey, Bill Clinton, you're gonna be president. Can you at least put in some money into AIDS research?" So I think that was his strategic move to be like, "Hey, you know, I have influence." Right. to so talk about you, these issues. So Bill right. Clinton, can you do... Because, you know, we're friendly, right? So I can influence mm-hmm. you to do it. So I think in a lot of cases, that's what Michael was doing. But he also was leaning more on the side of the Democrat people cause, or party because I think he would be better able to sway stuff. But, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't think... yeah you know, He wasn't really open about taking sides uh, in terms of party. Yeah, but it's still, no. there were a lot of contradictions there, obviously,
0: Prince was like, "I got no dog in that race." Exactly,
1: exactly. <laughs> Which, you know, and I kind of like that answer. You know,
0: it's something Aretha Franklin said recently too. I, I watched an interview she did prior to her passing, and they asked her, and she was like, "Oh, well, it's not for me to say,"
2: because
0: <laughs> they asked her about Obama or just like, "What do you think about the some political question?" and I, you know, I prefer that answer. That's something I would say. I mean, not to say anything is wrong with being outspoken. I mean, shit, who cares at the end of the day? that That's my opinion. I mean, obviously, some people think it matters. Yeah, right? yeah. I think. <laughs> but I'm not the one I kind of prefer that kind of, oh, it's not for me to say, because then when you say it, then there's a whole host of assumption attached to it. And then you got to then you're seen in the context of who you voted for. And it's just.
1: Can oh, you know, as far as I know, Aretha Franklin supported Obama, so she... No, know, right. Right. i know.
0: Uh. I know. That. I know that she supported it, but she wasn't going to go out of her way to be like, oh, well, you know, like Stevie Wonder, basically, oh, you know. Oh, Lord. Uh, you know, you know, uh, you know. Uh, just, uh, that,
1: uh, I'm sorry, okay. we have to have an episode dedicated yeah. to Stevie Wonder. We have to <laughs> sort of be like, okay, let's put Michael and Prince on the background, on the from back one background week,
0: for one from one. I have an episode know. about Stevie Wonder.
1: <laughs> Because, yeah, I love Stevie Wonder's music. Mm-hmm. I think every album he's done, yeah, even when he was younger, they were right. But when he, from his, quote, classic period, even to A Time to Love, which as far as I know was his last album, they were all good. Musically, I love Stevie Wonder. But he's, like, just politically and socially, he's so problematic. I I just, oh Anyway, so... <laughs> But yeah, I his music's <laughs> great. I've seen yeah, him three right times though. live. Some of Stevie, the best shows I've seen. But I can't the fact politically. That you even like, got a chance I, to
0: say you've seen him live is amazing. I have not seen. Yeah, Stevie I've seen Wonder him ever. live
1: three times. I and I'm.
0: I really wanna I love your him. music,
1: Stevie Wonder. I love your. No, we music. love
0: Stevie. Let's be clear. We love Stevie Wonder. But there's something. There's not only this one incident that I'm referring to, but Stevie has had. He's made statements, you know, where I was like, you know, you can't really say that and then think you sound OK and not be challenged <laughs> on it, you know. Right. So.
2: Oh, um, man.
1: The, yeah. the, and I think it's OK to say, you know, I, I'm contradictory on these issues that that comes with the territory as humans in many cases, particularly if we're living under a capitalist society. You can say I'm anti-capitalist, but you have a job. You're getting a paycheck, so you are contributing to that. So you you know that you're living under these contradictions. It's okay to say that. I am a person though, who thinks people should be open politically with where they are. I think people should uh, be open about where they stand about stuff. So I know where you stand because what's that lady's name? Uh, that white lady. What's her? Uh, Uh, Amy Schumer. Amy
0: Schumer. No,
1: no, no, the singer lady. Oh my uh, goodness. Uh, where Kanye West was like I'm gonna let you talk or something Taylor
2: Swift
1: yeah so Taylor Swift oh yeah (laughs) yeah yeah. I only know her because of Kanye West right so uh so she had been silent about political issues and now because of all this stuff going on because she had the whole incident with Dr. Luke all of these other things. So she's like, okay, because of Kavanaugh, now I'm going to speak up and I'm going to vote Democrat now. You know, I didn't speak earlier. So just like all of these other white people, <laughs> me was getting shot down in the streets, all these things was happening. And they were like, oh, I'm not going to say anything. But now because white women are getting affected, oh, now I must say something. And now all these white women are kneeling. They weren't kneeling when unarmed people were getting shot, when houseless people were getting shot, working class people were getting shot. No, they didn't say anything because their privilege wasn't being affected or their personal lives weren't being affected. And that's why I don't have respect for that. It's just like, if you're going to stand, and and they're not standing for African women who have been sexually assaulted. They're not standing for trans women who have been sexually assaulted. They're standing for themselves. I have no respect for people like that. And so she could go all day, I'm going to vote Democrat. And Taylor Swift was actually the number one child of the white supremacists for a while. They were like, oh, she's so white. She's so beautiful. They loved her. They praised her. Yeah. And I remember seeing stories about that where these white supremacist groups praised her as being like, oh, she's so white and pure. But now she didn't say anything about that. I didn't see anything. Maybe she did. I'll just say allegedly. I believe she (laughs) She, did. I believe she did say something
0: about that. And she said.
1: That's what I'm saying allegedly because I didn't hear it. So good, if she did, that's okay. But she I hadn't heard a word and she straight up said, Yeah, I didn't speak about issues before. So When people were talking about, okay, we getting mowed down in the streets here by the system and the police who work for the system and all, she wasn't saying nothing. But now it's like, oh, I have this thing with Dr. Luke and all my white sisters are being sexually assaulted by this guy. I have to say something. And no, I have no respect for that. It's like, you stand, like, I don't particularly like Pink's music, but she's out there being like, yo, <laughs> like, Black Lives Matter, you know? <laughs> So, You know, there are people like Pink who have consistently spoken about issues. I respect that. And I can't say I'm particularly into her music. There might be something I'm like, okay. Uh But, you know, I respect that she is using her white privilege to be like, hey, here's these issues that are beyond me. Like, let's, you know, do something about it. So, you know, and there are people like that. But the people like Taylor Swift who are like, "Mm -hmm. oh, it's affecting me? Okay. Uh, Vote Democrat. It's like, whatever. Like... Get out of here. So. <laughs> so, you know, if you want to get into profane, that can be. I don't think it's profane personally. I just think it's ridiculous. But some people could see that as profane. Like, oh, you want to talk now because it's affecting you? Okay.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, that's that's to me, that
0: wasn't surprising that she had that reaction, because that's generally what it is, is tribalism. People really just kind of want to associate with people that are like them and when they're affected that's when they start to speak because they don't see them as like being the same it's that us versus them mentality that i'm sure she has like oh well that sad was happening to them oh wow how unfortunate but when it's happening to me it's like oh we shouldn't do this oh i know i haven't ever said anything about (laughs) this but by the way i'm for you guys and you should vote democrat
1: right (laughs) And so even even Chelsea Handler, who oh is I in, saw that recently. Well, yeah, yeah, Chelsea Handler, who's insufferable in many people's eyes, she's just like we need to listen to our black sisters mm-hmm. because yeah. they're voting in their best interest. I was like, woman, if you're, like no, if you're voting for Hillary Clinton, it's not in your best interest. So right. I was like, get out of but here.
0: See, that's the thing. They they're like, so women like, and that when no. I say I'm saying Chelsea, I should specify. Ch- Chelsea, Chelsea
1: Rogers was a model. Chelsea <laughs> <laughs> really, she really rock model. And roll. Okay, anyway, sorry. <laughs> sorry. Go I on. saw that.
0: When she went on Ellen and she said what she said about that. She uh um and Ellen, what was funny about that whole thing is Ellen was like, "Good for you for making this. T- stand." <laughs>
2: Oh, like, my white
1: sister, my white sister, thank you so much. Yeah, you know, Hillary Clinton's a woman, so it's our best interest. She's a white woman. And, you know, like nobody was talking about no Cynthia McKinney.
0: No, oh, yeah.
1: Yeah, nobody was. <laughs> none of these people were supporting Cynthia McKinney. Yeah. It's like when when well, Shirley a... Chisholm was running. Shirley mm-hmm. Chisholm was running. And then oh, the I National Association Chisholm. of Women, they were like, yeah, we support <laughs> Shirley Chisholm. And then McGovern came and they were like, okay, we're going to support him. They totally alienated Shirley Chisholm. They were like, well, you know, she's not politically viable. That's what I mean. They, as you said, they protect themselves and and it's identity politics. And so when Chelsea has are saying that black women, we have to listen to our black sisters because no, you're, you're thinking about women voting in white women's best interests. You're not thinking about how Hillary Clinton's a racist. You're not thinking about how she supported policies, which which single-handedly affected Africans. You're not thinking about those policies. You're not thinking about how she supported the coup in Honduras, which contributed to the murders of organizers and activists. You're not thinking of what happened in Haiti. You're not thinking of all that. You're like, well, she's a woman and Trump is Trump. So, you know, black women, our black sisters voted in their best interest so we need to do that too because 57% of white women voted for Trump like you're just thinking identity politics you're not thinking of policies and so I just rolled my eyes when I saw that I was like all right Chelsea Handler whatever Chelsea Handler is a no anyway
0: (laughs) (laughs) I feel you no it's okay
1: (laughs) she don't really
2: rock and roll (laughs) Yeah
1: (laughs) She talking about identity politics Mm -hmm. That don't really Help my soul Oh my goodness Yeah so that's you want to talk about Offensive or uh, Again I don't know if I'm offended By that I just think That people need to stop dealing with identity politics And pay attention to the actual Issues and so when Prince had songs like dear mr man or michael doing they don't care about us or we had enough like actually you mean like okay what are these issues that we're, we're facing these are systemic right. issues and we can't support someone based on their political affiliation because they support the same policies as the party we don't like and we have to start looking at things like that and stop saying like well, that's in our best interest because you know men are just trash and they're going to ruin oh, everything yeah. and ruin mm-hmm. just delicate flowers. Margaret Thatcher, hello.
0: Yeah, Margaret <laughs> Thatcher, hello. That's Margaret what I said. We should we should be accountable to the people's policies, not their
1: gender or anything. T- Theresa, like Theresa May, like Theresa May, right. okay?
0: oh, like
1: that's yeah. a, she's okay to y'all because she's a woman. Golda Meir is okay because she's a, like get out of here. <laughs> so, so yeah, yeah. just. Chelsea hand all these people who are like, yeah, it's a, and Jay-Z and Beyonce, they're, they're like on stage with her and she's talking Uh-oh. about dabbing and talking about hot sauce. Like, that's okay. It's like Bill Clinton Uh-oh. playing the facts <laughs> on studio. It's like, stop playing identity politics and pay right. attention to their policies. Mm-hmm. Like, that's well, just Obama supported the same policies and exacerbated some of them but it's okay because he's cool he speaks well like we gotta get out of that stupor and we have to go back to music that's spiritually uplifting and had messages politically spiritually and other means uh with the transitions of prince and michael i think you started seeing that music go away in droves
0: right yes oh yeah absolutely um they were the last one of the last some of the last artists to just kind of bring that kind of music uh it's so different now and you gotta know where to look you know but they they definitely use their platform as a means of being faithful to the sacred and even when acknowledging the profane because i'm still of the opinion that sometimes we need to see problematic and Bad behavior just so that we know that it exists, especially in art pieces, not when it's coming from people just giving opinions that are problematic because that can be changed. But if you're doing a art piece or some kind of presentation of some conceptual meaning, it's okay to show like I've seen movies that are obviously problematic. Like we mentioned, obviously, Purple Rain and they're (laughs) bad. It's not to say we can't look at it or we can't engage it. But that we acknowledge, you know, what's to be learned from it or what's to be taken from it. Because a lot of time I don't think entertainment is meant to just sometimes you can find entertainment that obviously transcend you in a way that's positive and productive. But then sometimes you're just watching a bad show because it's on <laughs> TV or a bad movie because it's on, you know. Um, right. So you just kind of have to navigate with what people do and hope that an artist is being as faithful as they can to what they you know, to the meaning of everyone else in the situation. Michael and Prince, I feel like they, you know, just to summarize in a way, you you were right. Like Prince and Michael maintained their profanity and their sacredness in very unique ways that was faithful, you know, to them.
1: And I think when people are talking about profanity, people focus on songs like Darling Nikki or mm-hmm. Scream or songs where mm-hmm. they did swear in them. But to me, the profane, again, is, in my view, defined as something that goes against societal norms. Because it's usually the people who define societal norms, they condition us as to what the profane is. Mm -hmm. And so I'm not saying, oh, somebody that goes out and, and they murder people or rape people. Oh, see, society deems that as profane. So that, no, that actually is offensive. That That is profane. Right. (laughs) So what I'm saying is when you're talking about what we deem as masculinity or femininity or how people speak or things like that, that's particularly Michael (laughs) was deemed profane because he did not fulfill whatever expectations society deemed as masculine.
0: Right. Yeah, I think I want to mention one thing. Profane and all of these terms are completely subjective because I know Prince felt the Black album was considered profane for him. He didn't want that to be the last album that he he went out with, which is why he decided to not release it. But it's interesting because you know he obviously re-released it in '94 for monetary purposes. But I think <laughs> he yeah. was probably at that state at the time where it was like, no, you know, I feel he always struggled with that kind of ravenous lustful sexual uh drive i mentioned we can funk but then you can think of other songs where he's Mm kind of just doing like temptation is the perfect example because he has Mm -hmm. this narration or this conversation with god and he's just like you can't do it no you will die (laughs) right you have to love her for the right reasons and all that stuff and i think that has a lot to do with it again prince and michael were raised in a religious household and i'm sure they they heard a lot about sex and how you you know, you know can't do it before you're married and all these other things that were attached. And I think Prince was very interesting with how he navigated with that towards the end because he never quite let it go. He just changed the context. So he started to refer to, like, the guitar was, like, that drive for him. Mm-hmm. So when he did a song like Hard Rock Lover, you know, and he's talking about, you know, I want to make her scream because of the sound of my guitar. You know, he's kind of, again, recontextualizing just that lust and that drive. Like it was it became music instead of it just being the actual act or whatever. So
1: well, what about his relationship with Maite? I think some people would actually deem that as profane. Yes.
0: Based on that the age difference. F- right.
1: Based yeah. on the nature of their relationship, et cetera.
0: Yeah, that's a definite one. I mean, Maite was obviously very younger than him. Um, I wanna say about sixteen years. If I'm right.
1: Wow, okay, okay.
0: Yeah. They married in ninety three. I mean ninety six, I'm sorry. They met in ninety three, I think. <laughs> but I know that they married in ninety six, but I think yeah, I wanna say sixteen years between them. Um so yeah, that's but that's also something, you know, Prince was very vocal about this with his love symbol tour, the act one and two, that was the whole game, you know, he was being asked by reporter like hey why are you with this you know girl she's much younger than you and um, so I mean he he was aware of it I believe because there's so many references from around that period where he mentions that but then there's yeah Prince has a lot of since he has so much music there are various songs that come to my mind as profane if I'm going to be completely honest but I mean again I don't think profane and sacred or rivalries are protagonist antagonist i just feel like they make the makeup of that person but mm-hmm. if you're speaking of specific songs let's end it like this if we were to summarize the three for the profane i would say for prince i would think of bambi <laughs> 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 that's the one that just came in. that's a that's a big one bambi. whoa yeah um then wow. i would say we can fuck and <laughs> then I would say, ain't turning around. Okay. And I'd say that one. <laughs> actually, actually, I'm not gonna say that. I'm a, I'm a switch of the band. This is actually a shock, probably for even me to say it, but I've just been thinking about the lyrics lately. It's still one of my favorite songs. But, um, what is it? Now I'm forgetting the title. It's on Musicology. What do you want me to do? That's the song. Really? Yeah. Because there's a line in that song where he says, "Dressed like you," he's like, "Dressed like you," want to say, "Ooh, didn't her mama treat her better?" Dressed like somebody's gonna get her.
2: Oh um, yeah.
0: There's a yeah, it just kind of like
2: what, like,
0: you know, I don't know fully, you know, context behind that, but it just always kind of rubbed me as weird that he kind of inserted that there. Or the bourgeoisie, that's another one that mm-hmm. could be taken. That's, that rhymes with Bambi. So yeah, he has songs for sure where he's uh, being profane, but it kind of connects to something else, you know? Mm-hmm. So yeah. Wow. So those are my three. Any, what about you? Do you have
1: any Oh, Michael? for Michael.
0: For Michael. Um, so for Michael, I would say in terms of profanity, I'm thinking purely in visual context. So the way you make me feel is one of them. And then it's it's I don't know why it's hard for me to think of Michael as songs that are "Love on the Dance Floor" possibly. Mm,
1: why why?
0: Because it's kind of like he's he's you know the story of Susie and you know she's out to get me and she got your number. It's it's kind of like it's going again with paranoia, which he seemed to play around with a lot anyway. Mm-hmm. Um. But there's an element to it that feels kind of like, like first of all, how did the blood get on the dance floor? You know, he's not really <laughs> giving you a a clue, but it doesn't seem like this girl is is right, you know, and mm-hmm. or that the whole scenario, it doesn't seem like it's it's obviously you're dancing and everything, but it seems like there's a sinister uh, attitude in it as well. Uh, for me, I can't just put my I wouldn't say it's bad or anything. It's just it just seems that way. And then the last one. And I know when you're gonna give me yours, I'm gonna be like, "Oh yeah, that one, that one." <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> See, I don't know.
1: I would say the number one profane song in the Prince catalog is "Sister."
0: Mm, well,
1: yes, of course. You. See, yeah. <laughs> if if you haven't heard "Sister," listen to it. It's a, a song about an incestual relationship. That's all I have to say about it.
0: "Sister" is one. Think. Yeah, I mentioned "Darlin' Nikki," but no, "Sister," I, I say, forget. It, that was Number one of the one. first the first ones and i think he did that one because it was just he knew that that would be like oh, what yeah you know but
1: i'm amazed that no one talks about that everyone talks about darling nikki or other songs in the catalog but no one talks yeah. about sister
0: that came 4 years before darling nikki i
1: wanna say so i'm i'm really surprised at that and it might be because people only know purple rain on i don't know but even people who know his catalog really well don't bring it up well and i was c-
0: listening to a podcast that Questlove did and he did a <laughs> podcast with um Bilal, i believe well he mentioned that someone did that song and they did it in such a way where it was really like they rearranged it differently and somebody it really
1: covered that yeah. song. yeah why would anybody cover that song that's disgusting why would you cover a song about incest what is wrong with you because it's
0: a story
1: no below i don't care (laughs) if it's a story it's a story that should stay in the catalog and not be touched i was only 16 but i guess that's no excuse no
0: but right, you can't yeah, really remix. I only
1: want to be with you. No, no, I don't care. I don't care if you love the song. Keep it to yourself. Do not cover it.
0: That is a very difficult no. song to remix because
1: no, like why would you even specific. why would you even rationalize Actually, that? see, there's so oh. many like like I said,
0: there's so many songs Prince has. Even Circle uh, of a I would say, is mm. probably seen as uh profane because he's talking about <sighs> a, just... a, yeah. He has I mean, way more songs than MJ because he because you never but I, well, yeah. even that song, I feel like with Prince is if you listen to the full context of the song.
1: It's, uh, I, it, let <laughs> me tell you something. That was the one song my sister used to torture with me with. So I know the lyrics very well.
0: Oh, OK, see,
1: I wanted to, <laughs> this is the reason why I couldn't stand Prince and right. I wanted to throw his records out the window. Because she would torture me with that song. She used to play the second album, too. But she used to play the Dirty Mind album, most of all. But particularly that song. And I wanted to choke my sister, take the record out of her hand, and throw it out the window and break it. Oh, wow. So, I know that song. And I don't know why anybody would cover it. And I get It's a story. And it's speculated that it's about a stepsister or something. I don't know. But... It's clear that he did the song to be incendiary. I get it. But I'm like, why why?
0: Yeah, covering it. It does seem like like I said, it's
1: a It's like you're it. condoning it's you're condoning an ancestral relationship between a minor and someone who's basically raped their brother. Like, don't cover that. I'm so no. Anyway, so I know there are other songs in Prince's catalogue that are like eh questionable, but to me, that is the most profane song in his catalog. Like, I know you're saying like all this stuff where you're talking about like dad's also like, but he, at least he, he had the fourth right to pull it, but sister was actually officially released. Yeah. I'm like, and so I would say the second most profane would be Bambi. Mm -hmm. So yeah, but why would you cover like whoever covered it? Like anyway, so Michael, I would say the way you make me feel And we talked about this in another episode. The lyric that is most problematic to me is just uh, to buy you things to keep you by my side. He's buying somebody's love. Uh It's most likely a sex worker because you hear several of his songs. He has a fascination with sex workers. So it's possible it's a sex worker. To me, that meant like he can't formulate relationships with other women other than sex workers. That's if he fell in love with a sex worker and built a relationship, that's one thing. But I don't think that's what he's talking about. I think, again, I think it's a control issue. I think there was in his own life a ton of misogyny. We're getting to that episode next episode. But stay tuned. (laughs) But, yeah, I think he had a ton of issues when it came to women. And I think it's based on how he was raised and what he saw his father do. And so I think he had a lot of deep-seated issues. And so his fascination with sex workers, I think, is a huge aspect of that. And so for him to say, to buy you things to keep you by my side, and people are just singing. It. I'm like, no, no, no. Why are you buying so many things to keep them by you? That's just, ew, that's problematic all in and of itself. And then, of course, the short film. I will also say, You Rock My World, the short film, because... A, I don't think he had any chemistry with the young lady, but also I just felt like there was a lot of misogyny in that short film as well and how he like hit her on the butt and all that. I'm just like, okay, so uh, there's that. I love that song, but the short film, I'm like, "Eh, why did y'all do that? And I would say the other song, Cheater. I actually love that song. No, I but love that like, song. What, is, what is one blow to the head is all you need? Like, what is that? Like, where is that coming from? Who inspired that? What? And that song was co written with Greg Fillengain. So, what's the. Like, it could be symbolic. That's the I thing. know. That's so. I'm just like. So, if anybody, because I haven't heard anybody pop out that lyric, but every time I hear that, I'm like, what do you mean? <laughs> and it could be a continuation of Smooth Criminal. I, I don't know. But I think that's one of the only songs where he actually said something like that. Like other songs you could tell he was playing with it, but this, like you couldn't tell if he was playing with it or not. And then even with, with uh the Tom Sneddon song, DS, like there's a gunshot at the end. So Michael was like, what? Like nobody talks about that either.
0: Where <laughs> no, exactly. is a gunshot of, shot at the end. <laughs>
1: gunshot at the end of DS. Nobody talks about that. So Michael, Michael was like, I ain't playing with y'all. Bam. Like, <laughs> what,
2: what?
1: <laughs> and that's why I think the history album is a mix of profane and sacred. And that's his most profane album. Not only does he swear on the album about five times, but he has conspiracy theory on the album. There's a gunshot in relation to Tom Sneddon. <laughs> I was like, what? He says the whole system sucks. And that's the album. He's just like, I don't care anymore. I don't care. Like y'all don't care about me. I don't care about you. Okay. They don't care about us. So, and that's my favorite album in his adult career. But I, I'm going to say those three songs, The cheater. I'm just trying to figure out what inspired that line. Where is that coming from? And a lot of people don't think about that song, even talking about the song. I haven't heard people talk about that line. Like people talk about smooth criminal and the things like that. The other contradiction is the gun thing. Cause Michael was like, I don't like guns, but he has guns in everything he does. So <laughs> I would, yeah. So, that's true. So, so I think you could easily make a whole episode about both of their contradictions. I'm sure that's coming, <laughs> but yeah, but, but you had a smooth criminal. He had a Tommy gun. You had guns in you rock my world. Yeah. He has guns all over. He has guns in his music. Yeah. So he's like, I don't like guns. And I, I guarantee you, watch, they're gonna have something under the carpet surface or in the closet <laughs> that he had some kind of gun. I don't I don't know. <laughs> something's, something's gonna surface that some some guy who owned a gun shop was like, Yeah, Michael used to roll through here like in the eighties. Uh something something's gonna something's gonna surface. I don't know. But just the idea, I mean I guess michael didn't like guns in his own life but he played with that imagery because it was powerful that's all i can yeah, attribute that's it what to i would think yeah but it's just so contradictory where he's like oh kids did and then he has all of this imagery which is very adult centered in his videos. so that's a major contradiction prince was never like my music's for kids he's just like kids went to my concerts but my music's very adult <laughs> But Michael was like, oh, kids. I'm like, no, man, no, 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 no. Your music is not for kids. 90% of your music is not for kids. And I would say, and I would get more to this when it came comes to the show next week about the patriarchy. PYT has always been problematic to me, and I'm the only person I know who does not like that song. And it's for very specific reasons. And we're going to end there because... We're gonna have you asking why is that why is it right
0: exactly right <laughs> there is are that? very specific
1: reasons. Yeah. I don't like that that's song that's the
0: one I was thinking about though actually with Michael pYt but I didn't but again when I say these things, well I, well actually I don't I, I actually like that song, but I can there are elements to it that that's for anything being the person like myself who really pays attention to words and how they're used, there are elements about it that makes me wonder what was the implication behind it but yeah we would definitely have to talk about that later because i
1: gonna can be say a quincy jones was the implication behind it and that's a huge reason why i don't like it we'll go to that next week so thank mm-hmm. you for listening to another <laughs> episode of music and we we definitely appreciate your support if you have any questions any comments criticisms et cetera, please let us know this is all in love l-o-v-e as michael used to say law of vibrational energy as we love to say but we definitely appreciate you you have any last words jesse
0: thank you guys for listening and putting up with us when we go into to the raps about michael prince and even on this episode madonna and stevie we didn't we didn't hit everybody so um no we appreciate you guys listening
2: it means a lot
1: as Tito jackson said to wendy williams let me rap to you baby No. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all have a good day. Thank yeah, you so you much. have a good day.